Like twin sons on a womp rat's tail, welcome back to the Tumbling Saber podcast, everybody. I'm Kyle. I'm Murray. I'm Nathan. And I'm Stu. I mean, I'm Rick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Rick's in fine form already. <laughs> it's, a, God, it's, man. it's a very packed house here tonight, Tumbling Saber Studios. I am, I am super excited because there's actually a lot to talk about. There's a whole lot of stuff to talk about tonight, including uh, an anniversary to look back on, uh, a TV spot for Book of Boba Fett, uh, news coming from Empire Magazine, news coming from everywhere, comic books, and I'm sure we're going to fall down some rabbit holes. Buckle up. It's going to be a night, guys. I can't wait to get into this. But let's go Let's go around the table real quick. Rick, it's been a while since we've heard from you. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Last time we talked, I was in a completely different time zone. And uh, we we moved. We're suburban Detroit now. We're no longer by C- Chicago, and uh, I do miss it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, but uh, otherwise we're we're good. Me and just um, trying to keep up with everything, and it's hard for me to not to well to record a show and not turn around behind me and see, you know the uh, my standing hardcover army because all those books are in boxes and put away right now. So I I, I miss my books. No. And I'm sure they miss you. I know they do. Every day I would wake up and just run my fingers along the spines and just say good morning. Well, this is why you moved. I mean, you really had to get to a more you know, suburban setting where you'd have more space to expand the hardcover army. That's that's just how it works. I could just squat at a Barnes & Noble. Yeah. <laughs> Wait on those sweet exclusive covers to drop. Yep. yep. Yeah. Lucky. Don't brag or anything. You, I'm lucky. You're lucky you get those. We get nothing here. Nothing. Regular hardcovers for well, us. Yeah, I mean, plus I've been ordering like the UK exclusive stuff that like out of print or um, what's the other one? Goldsboro Books is doing like theirs with the sprayed edges and stuff like that. So see, wouldn't it be nice yeah. to say, oh, I I ordered the Canadian variant. Half the paper comes from here anyway. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah, they could, they could throw you a bone at least. At least, you would think. You know what sucks is that so much stuff gets printed here, then shipped to the U.S., and then shipped back into Canada. Uh, and then sold to us at a higher price. It's like, what? what, what? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Why are we doing this? Way to go, suckers. I mean, uh, Canadians. Oh, <laughs> Rick. <laughs> All right, Marie, how you doing? I'm good. I am... About 95% recovered from the flu, so that's exciting. Um, it, it was it was a rough go there for a little while, but uh, I kept myself busy. Kept myself busy with watching phase one of the Marvel movies, and I've been reading a lot of Dune, so I've I've been keeping busy with those things. That's two years of work for me. <laughs> maybe that's if i keep a good pace <laughs> everything else is good though yeah yeah you've nothing uh, i i want to know like if do you, do you have a dartboard on the back of your of your bedroom door with the faces of the trivia people that you want to take out next <laughs> you don't have to answer that because you know if the answer is yes you don't want to say that out loud yeah it's true hmm. mm, leave it at that yeah, suckers. <laughs> but I, I am. I'll just say this: 
Oh, oh, I did compete in local Star Wars trivia recently. Um, and we won and it was awesome. Of, por- of course you did. Um, <laughs> see, I like how gracious Maria is that you competed. It was never competent. Like you must know going into this that you're going to destroy. The, the only unfortunate thing was the prize was like a $10 gift certificate to the place where the trivia was, <laughs> which is fine. But they also had a raffle going on during it. And the raffle was for like Star Wars Legos. And I'm like, are you kidding me? The, the, the winners don't win Legos. The raffle does. That was unfortunate. Yeah, that's a bit backwards. Uh, yeah, that's backwards. <laughs> yeah, I was I was not pleased with that, but but it was good. It was good. Oh, and I at um Target they now have three new Galaxy's Edge stuffed animals. They have a Wookiee, which is Chewbacca, um, Rodian, obviously it's Greedo, and he even says McClunky. Nice. And then um. A Jar Jar. Well, that's pretty cool. What does he say? Uh, he says all kinds of things that you can't really understand what he's saying. <laughs> Mo- most of it is just weird noises that are Jar Jarish noises. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you yeah. got the maybe you got the French model. <laughs> <laughs> but they're super cute. And then there's also I don't know if y'all have seen it, but at Target there is a Christmas. Grogu. Oh dear. Of course there is. <laughs> it is the cutest, most adorable thing. It's like pocket sized. Well, it's a little bigger than that. It's like maybe five inches tall. And it's got um it's uh Grogu's clothing is like a fair isle sweater, sort of, with a and in, in the front there's like a big one-eyed frog and then there's mando helmets and the pram and christmas trees it's really cute that must be everywhere right now like what what a little cash cow that guy is oh my gosh i i that was a i saw him and i was like yep getting that <laughs> you know as 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 neatly as his story kind of wraps up in in mandalorian it's just like the guy, he, he's, a, he's a license to print money. So just on that uh, yeah. alone, he's probably going to be back at some point. <laughs> Nathan, over there in Newfoundland, home of such towns <laughs> with names like, oh, I'm not going to say them because there's, some of them are so absurd, Nathan. You live in a well, place like, with absolutely ridiculous town names. What, like Dildo? That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that was at the top of the list. Uh, <laughs> a come by chance. <laughs> Yep, Placentia. I don't know how this happens. <laughs> leading, l- leading tickle. Mm-hmm. This sounds like the most magical fairy tale land. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it is because you can't believe how ridiculous things are here. <laughs> oh, oh, this sounds juicy. Are you gonna give us some Newfoundland dirt? Oh no, I mean everywhere is is terrible, but. Yeah, we've got our own unique set of idiots here. <laughs> but uh yeah. That's uh that's Newfoundland. No, it's it is beautiful here, but uh yeah, living here sometimes uh 
<laughs> you forget that. <laughs> well, how how Star Wars been treating you over there? Is 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 the life of a Star Wars fan any different in Newfoundland than it is anywhere else? Oh yeah, shipping is more expensive. So yeah. oh damn it. <laughs> but uh, just can't win. Yeah, no, I uh, I actually went to Toys R Us today looking for the uh, the Greedo plush because uh, Toys R Us in Canada gets the Target exclusives because oh, we cool. don't have Target anymore. Uh, oh right, right, right. <laughs> we had Target yeah. for like five minutes. Oh, it no. was so great too. <laughs> it was. I, I loved took, it. They took it away. Uh, but yeah, so I went in looking for one of those because I saw saw it making the rounds on Twitter, and uh, they didn't have any. I imagine they they haven't gotten them yet, but because uh, I they can't be sold out because <laughs> they don't sell out of of anything at that Toys R Us. I don't think. But uh, yeah, a Grogu plush followed me home though. So of course it did. Nice <laughs> that happened, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I've been pretty engaged since since the last time I recorded. I've been pretty engaged, um, either just you know listening to um, more specifically Star Wars podcasts than usual, or reading more, or um, watching the movies. Uh, <laughs> what my my Rise of Skywalker immersion therapy is working. I think. Nice! Wow! Look at I. I, Well, I remember you were live tweeting it, or uh, no, you were posting about it in the Facebook group, and I'm like, wait a sec, this is not the tone of a guy who really hates this movie anymore. No, I, and that was the first time I'd watched it in in probably almost a year. But uh, wow, yeah, some of the some of the edges have have sort of softened, and uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just acceptance. Mm. (laughs) Next phase. (laughs) <laughs> but uh you know uh the fact is we get to live with it so i guess i better learn to live with it so rick in just under you know two years maybe bad batch will start to look a little different for you um if by season three if there is one it hasn't season one hasn't turned me yet um i might have to write an angry email that i'll read on youtube with a baseball <laughs> head on backwards or something from my truck <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I mean, this this is the thing. We all have those things. Like, I found Rebels very eye rolly very often. But you know, rewatching it now, um, I think I'm on season three. And you know, it's, it's same thing. It's it's you know, the edges are so- edges are soft, and we've gotten so much other Star Wars that you know, it's a little easier to accept that the the imperfections in mm. things like rebels and rise of skywalker we, i mean we have so much so much stuff it's, well i uh, i can say at least on the animated side uh, you know, like for myself like as much as we may talk about it you know sometimes in the group you know i'll make comments about bad batch and me not being the uber fan um a big part of me like the reason why because I, mean, I could rail about that and other things on twitter all day long about things that i don't mm. like a, I'm not going to do that because that's what some people do. I don't want to. I don't want to be like that. But secondly, like I know the story's not done. Mm-hmm. You know, like the same the same way that a lot of people didn't really care for season one of Rebels, or at least the first half of season one of Rebels. By the time it was all said and done, you get to see the sum of its parts and how everything connects together. So, like I know 
that even though Bad Batch, at least, you know, season one really hasn't been for me, by the time it's done, there could be things that point back to it that I'm like, oh, okay, this all feels that much better. So mm-hmm. it's still like Bad Batch is very low on the things that have come out, you know, since the Disney acquisition. Um, it might be close to the bottom, actually. Like it's not, it's not for me. Um, I, I had, I struggled through it, and no. but again, like ho- however many seasons they do of it, you know, it, it, they could turn around and we'll see that Crosshair is going to be the hero that I've been saying he is because uh. everybody jump aboard the Crosshair bandwagon, and remember, I'm the one leading that train. <laughs> Rick, Rick has bought all yeah. the stock hair, the stock in Crosshair. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I'm still. I I haven't been able to find the um the black series empire crosshair yet. I don't want to, I'm not ordering. I don't want to order anything anymore. Like I'm, I'm kind of out of that for the time being just with the move and limited space where we are. Um, that said, I did find a black series or a sing yesterday um, that I guess somebody stashed at a target nearby here. Um, and I just happened to find it. And after listening to the nerd room, I think it was last week they were talking about hidden items between Troy and Carlos. <laughs> and I'm like, there's probably some other podcaster here in Michigan. It's like, oh man, my friend told me it was there, and now it's not. And he's going to talk about it on his show. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, now I have your, I have your Black Series R saying that somebody stashed. So <laughs> I've always wanted to hear Jason and Gabe do a hit piece on you, Rick. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Jason, Jason's not that far from me. Um, and one day we're going to hang out, and I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to wear a Tumbling Saber shirt, and he's going to, you know, he's like, oh, thanks for letting me know about that show. I'll give him a listen sometime. Oh, that'd be sweet, man. <laughs> that'd be real sweet. You know, we it, it, you know we are approaching our six year anniversary. Yeah, you think you know more people would wow. know about you guys? Well, no, I you know I oh, always fear oh, yeah. that there's I always fear that there's more people recording the show than listening. And tonight it's extra because we're 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 five, four on the recording tonight. So I'm like, <laughs> oh man, like and and three of our listeners are here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. You, ass- I'll, I'll you, you assume I listen. <laughs> I'll be wearing a uh, tumbling saber shirt at celebration in. Oh, you months. you could have just stopped at you could have just stopped at tumbling saber. I'll be wearing a tumbling saber at celebration. <laughs> yeah, exclusively. But uh, oh man, like a red hot chili pepper. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, yeah. The thing about Bad Batch is what? Well, you, you said a lot of people are aren't hot on the. Uh, the beginning of season one of rebels but uh like season one is my favorite stuff in rebels i think it's it's definitely the season i have the most fondness for and like we did mm-hmm. get a lot of great stuff in rebels but uh, i don't know i think i i think i liked it better when it was simple and it was just mm-hmm. the family um but um watching it again now i i'm definitely enjoying it way more than i did as it was coming out. But I think part of that is because we know uh, that rebels is going to, going to feed off into the Ahsoka stuff and the, the Mando the Disney plus verse and, and that kind of thing. And the, the same thing is going to be true of, uh, uh, of bad batch, because, you know, I can point to tons of things that rebels contributed to other, in other media like you know whether it's inquisitors or or you know that the ghosts showing up in other places and that kind of thing yeah so once once i think once the seeds that bad batch is planting start sprouting up in things like book of boba fett and 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 these other projects i think that i think that alone 
will probably um, improve the taste of Bad Batch for you. Well, that, I, I think that happens with Star know. Wars all the time. Like every every Star Wars thing that you know, the first time you go through it, you're so invested and you're so on the edge of your seat, and you mm-hmm. you're 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 so wrapped up in your own thoughts about how how it's going to go. And if it doesn't quite lock in the way you hoped, you're like ah, kind of bummed. But you watch and you you, you now that you've seen the outcome and you go back and you just put your feet up and, and enjoy it. It's, I, I find it always easier to just sort of let it wash over you and just take it for what it is at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know for myself, like the beginning of rebels when I, we were watching that as it was airing and I think, I mean, I loved the first season as we were going through. I mean, like I'm talking more about other people that may have had some problems with it, but I had kind of a different, um, perspective on it because i was watching with my son and at the time he was what five or six years old so Mm -hmm. the fact that he was all in it was easier for me to like just engage with it that way because i mean he didn't you know i mean he's a kid and he wasn't holding any of the biases or having expectations so it was really easy just to sit there and watch it with him and see him get super stoked about it where like with bad batch now i know if it's a lot it's a lot of my own baggage of like I didn't really care for these characters in Clone Wars season seven. And I'm kind of like, I still have a, like a, a problem with, you know, them, you know, can they carry a show for me personally? I don't know. I mean, and the fact that they had so many people, other people come in, be it cameos or guest spots or, you know, however other people were integrated almost says that, I mean, they almost needed other people that maybe they, they weren't strong enough characters. And again, I was speaking for myself. Um, because a lot of people love it and I'm happy for the people that, that love it, but it's just for me, like it's not, it's been pretty subpar. There's things that I think are great about it. If they had cut the season in half, it would have been fantastic. But uh, there's a lot of empty space there, at least for me, and a lot of repetitive things that they kind of could have done without. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you there. And I hope, you know, Things to, I, you know, the more they add to it and the more it expands outward, sometimes you tend to enjoy the smaller stuff better. I think that's kind of what Nathan was was saying in a roundabout way about Rebels. Mm-hmm. Like it blows mm-hmm. up to a big point. You're like, oh my God, everybody's in the pool suddenly. Mm-hmm. But then you go back to those first seasons and it's just the five of them kind of stumbling through the galaxy and Kanan's Kanan. So like some of the best stuff is Kanan trying to dump Ezra. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and just yeah. not able yeah. to get rid of them like a bird that you can't get out of your hair <laughs> mm. it's really interesting how people do see the different star wars entries so differently because like for bad batch i freaking love it and wrecker is my heart and soul like i adore that man and it it's just crazy. Like there's so many times that I bawled my eyes out watching that show just because I was so enamored with how wonderful I thought it was. Well, there you go. It's doing its job then. Well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you. Okay. Your best Christian Bale there, there impersonation. Some, yeah. There were some really, really cool things in the series, but I just think as a whole, uh, for me, like they maybe needed to trim some of the fat and there was just some things that I felt that didn't weren't really necessary. Mm-hmm. And I get, you know, I mean, I've had this conversation with people kind of in DMS about like, you know, I get there's thematic things that they wanted to express. And sh- I get that the, the, the themes are written all over star Wars. 
sometimes I think that the skin around those themes could have been a little bit different and mm. maybe for my, for me personally, um, told in a better way. Cause there's just some things that I, I found myself like, it just felt like a slog to me at times. So, and, and it's one of the, one of the few things that I've kind of, there's been some books that I felt that way. Um, but I mean, it's a completely different medium, you know, to watch something on TV and feel like, Oh my God, there's 14 more episodes of this. I, that, like, it was, mean. I mean, I'm serious. Like, that's how I felt like, but like the first seat, the first episode for me didn't do it. Everybody praised that episode. And I'm like, um, okay. Like, and then what? Like, it wasn't that I wanted more, but it's like, we already know these characters have already been introduced. And I, they, I guess they set some things up, but for me, it wasn't this big blockbuster thing. I was like, all right, cool. Let's get to the meat of the story. And then we saw like suffering crosshair and I'm like, all right, cool. Here's your conflict. And then episodes three, four, five were, they went somewhere else until was it episode six or seven when Cad Bane came in and I was like, all right, cool. Now something else is happening that I can get behind. Not because it's Cad Bane. I mean, like personally, like my own bias towards him, Mike is, you know, but to see him come back after however many years that he wasn't on TV. Um, and I was like, all right, great. Now we're getting this underworld thing that comes, that's coming in in a different way. You know, and like the like the Moochie episode and whatever I don't even remember the episodes three, four, and five. I'm like, what's what's going on here? Like, when is this gonna start moving? And it just didn't feel like it was. And it did the same thing in the second half too, where I just there were parts where it just it felt like I don't want to keep railing on the show, man. I, I'm not I'm not here for that. But I just <laughs> I I, do, I I want I want for season two to kind of swing things in a different direction, um, because I think the transition away from the empire is can't it can be a personal story and all the stories in star wars are personal uh, to an extent but i need to see something bigger than these five people six people i need to see something bigger and we we got a little bit of that seeing you know planets in transition and stuff like that i need to see more of that i need to see how big the empire is because to see a couple mm -hmm. of star destroyers over a planet or to see stormtroopers milling about a town for me doesn't really show the extent of that threat yet mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I I'm, go uh, ahead, Nathan. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, I I agree that maybe the show, the scale of the show, isn't quite big enough to properly um, flesh out uh, this era of the of the timeline. Um, I agree with that, and I'll also agree that you know it kind of feels like um, <laughs> the plot is happening uh, in spite of the Bad Batch. <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. like, like they're not like they're not moving they're not moving the story along at all you know it's it's very much things are happening and they're getting swept along with it and yeah and that's one of the reasons why i jumped on like the crosshair train so quickly is because mm -hmm. we saw that there was some, he was internalizing something yeah. and that could have been the catalyst for you know a, a whole set of conflicts and by the end of the, the season, I mean, they just left him there and everybody else is essentially, I mean, obviously they're changed by the events that happened, right? but they're essentially the same people. And it wasn't that I expected them to have, you know, some cataclysmic event change their entire personalities. But for me, it, it, it just seemed like we're right back where we started. Hmm. Yeah, I think my attraction to the show is I've never been a, like I like clones. Every, you know who doesn't like clones, but I'm I've never been a big clone trooper guy. 
and uh but my attraction is the camino stuff that's my hook in yeah not I've anymore always been <laughs> well oh uh, well but well there's still there's still ongoing clearly ongoing Kaminoan stories you know we've got uh you know, with a Kaminoan who's working with the Empire now, and we've got we know that there are other Kaminoan facilities around the galaxy. So, you know, it's it's still very much part of uh, what's what's got me interested in the next season of the show. But that was really my my hook in. You know, you know me, I love Attack of the Clones, Camino uh, stuff, uh, Cyphodia stuff. Like like, let's dig into that stuff. I'm excited for for that. But, uh, I feel like Bad Batch and Mandalorian are going to coincide when it comes to Palpatine's devious long-term plan. Totally. I hope so. That's what it feels like is going to happen to me. Yep. I, I completely, I see everything kind of feeding into that. Mandalorian, uh, I, I felt like Rangers of the New Republic, which maybe we'll touch on after. Um, I feel like that was going to point towards that as well. Bad Batch, certainly, especially given that final yeah. the final scene out of, out of season Ooh. one where they mount Tantus, that fortress. Mm. It's all pointing towards there and Thrawn. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're just going to do Heir to the Empire. Like, all the pieces uh, are there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's just no Skywalker twins. Like, that's, that's the missing piece. But uh, Yeah, now it, it's the Fett twins. Yeah, <laughs> and well, you know what? That's highly probable. I I, I still think that those two are going to meet, Boba and Omega. That is. So then they're they're going to clone Boba, and we're going to have a Booba fed. <laughs> Booba fed. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's bring ahead. I wasn't expecting a bad batch tangent, but. Um... Yeah, yeah let's get surprise. to the first topic. <laughs> well, before we go any for, more forward, I, I, we should stop and just uh, congratulate uh, Lacey from Star Wars Newsnet from the Resistance broadcast on the birth of her daughter. They Aww. had, they yeah, had, she, oh. she had, uh, she gave birth to her baby daughter Daisy Claire tonight, and they seem to be doing well. And so, welcome Daisy Claire to the Star Wars family, and congrats to um, to Lacey and her husband. And, Hope everybody's doing well. I I have to issue a correction. If she was born on the twenty third. Oh, was she? What is it? What's it today? The twenty eighth? No, it wasn't today. Yeah, today's twenty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, either way, congratulations. The it, the announcement was today, I guess. I don't read tweets. I just look at the pictures. <laughs> I don't know how you glean off of that just from a picture. You got a date. God, or... he can't. He can't even read Twitter. No, I can't. Even, no, no, no. I have to go back and. and it's way too much work. Forget it. <laughs> um, you know what I did read, though? The Life Day Cookbook. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, update time. I oh. That was such a fun book. Last week, I talked about my Cerulean noodle salad, which was awesome. This week, I am having a my podcast with my friends here while I'm enjoying a nice, warm Worcester sap cider. And nice. friends. Ooh. Oh, if you know what this is a great thing on its own for those you know we're in the right season for it this is not a thing i would drink in the summer i'm gonna tell you what come holiday time there's gonna be a little bit of whiskey in this <laughs> and this is gonna be an, uh, a very popular uh winter beverage for yours truly here this is gonna this is amazing <laughs> 
Don't tell Corey. Don't tell Corey. Corey cannot handle whiskey. Oh. Mm. He cannot do whiskey. It it just oh. <laughs> it's going to be another a, uh, bad ho- hotel hotel another hotel stairway stairwell incident. No, not that not to that level. Like it 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 sends him down the opposite path where he's just he's just a, a sloppy mess and the next day it's worse. Like it's just he just whiskey and Corey don't mix. <laughs> they don't mix. But uh, I do. I sure mix with this stuff. And I wish I had a little bit of whiskey right now to pop in. It, uh, it's really good. good I mean. for a uh, yeah. So I mean, it's it's it's. And you know, what? I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give the quick rundown. And I'm. This is a super cool book. Marie can vouch. I'm not just saying this. Yeah. It's it's uh, you know, and it's as a trivia nerd that that Marie is. Mm-hmm. It's probably packed with stupid little canon tidbits that you're like, oh, I didn't know that, but you file that away. Because man, if, the, if, right. if one day somebody pulls a trivia question on, God, you, you don't know where these like, people pull the questions from. But Marie's probably got a already a Rolodex full. Like soul, uh, oh gosh, I'm gonna get it wrong, but it's like Solstice's heart or something. Like the different holidays for like the Coruscanti holiday and the Alderaan holiday how there were like three different major holidays yeah it's it's wild like it's full of stupid little can of stuff like it's you think it's it's a cookbook okay just give me the recipes give me some silly names but no every single recipe has got like a little story to it that has yeah a little detail that you either infer or that is just laid out and you're like what (laughs) okay but yeah this recipe apple cider cloves cinnamon boil it then just let it cool down a bit, and you've got yourself a drink, my friends. It's awesome. Nice. Uh, I've got to get myself that book. Does, is there a recipe called That Guy is Dengar Salad? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just dying for some confirmation, that's all. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be that, that much on the nose, eh? Yeah, well... <laughs> They won't confirm it anywhere else. I thought I'd ask. I haven't come across uh, Rothgard Dang or Dengar's men- name in, the, in in this book yet. If I do, you'll be the first person I'll tell. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, and uh, I, I forgot to mention that uh, yesterday, I for the first time, uh, my brother and I showed the holiday special to my sister and her wife and my girlfriend. Oh my so god! That was nice. You must not, that's you how must not I, like those people. <laughs> that's how I spent Saturday afternoon. But you know what? I had a great time. Uh, yeah, I with, bet. with people. With people. Yeah. When you watch, yeah, watching the pain on their faces. Yeah, to watch yeah. them suffer. Like that is the fun of it. Yeah, whip, whip, stir. Oh, <laughs> I, I keep. I, I once a year I have to mention it, but my first time I saw that was on a fairly big screen. I was at a convention and they said like, a, you know, they were going to do a screening of the holiday special. I was like, I, I got to, I have to sit through this. And I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, what have they done but now to, to watch it now? Like you said, you got to watch it with people who don't quite know yep. and it just, and just watch the shock. Yep. <laughs> it was, it was enjoyable for at least two of us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let let's awesome. jump over quickly here to uh, 
Uh, Rick, who mentioned this via DM today, I'm glad you did because I went back and watched that trailer. Today is the seventh anniversary of the first TFA teaser, Rick. Yes, it is. Man, like I can't believe was, that. Yeah, it was uh, Black Friday 2014. And uh, boy, I mean, it seems like a thousand years ago and it seems like last week all at the same time. But yeah. um, I mean, just think about that time before anything. We didn't know anything about what was going on with this movie. And um, to get that first glimpse, you know, one line of dialogue, essentially, and the blast of John Williams' music. And I think, like, the collective fandom just gasped in that moment, like, whenever they saw it for the first time. And... um, Oh, I'm sure sea levels rose that day from salty tears. Yeah, just... Yeah, just an overwhelming experience all around, man. I was at work. I, I remember being at work and and knowing the trailer was coming. And then when it dropped, it was and I didn't do any work like the whole time, just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally it drops and I start telling my coworkers and I'm just playing this thing over and over at my desk. And I'm like beside myself with joy that this thing is coming. It's real. It's happening. And like you said, the... the the music, the point where uh, it, the trailer blacks out and you get that like five second gap and then the music kicks in and the falcon flyby, like total emotional breakdown at that point for me. Absolutely total breakdown. What about you? Yeah, this that, tra- that trailer, like it almost carries the same kind of emotional weight as the Chewy Were Home trailer that we got afterwards from like San Diego Comic-Con, I think it was, a celebration, I forget which one. And... uh because it was the first time we saw anything, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Marie, do you yeah, remember celebration? When you were? Celebration I, was the next one, I think. I don't Sorry. remember where where I was. Um, so it so November twenty fourteen. Were you standing in uh, in a line at Circuit City <laughs> for a Black Friday <laughs> deal? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I guess I was a teacher then, so I wouldn't have been at work. Um, huh. I really don't know. All I remember is that the the tri-saber, Kylo Ren's saber, like, oh, yeah. blew my ever-loving mind. And I was like, oh, my God, this is epic. And I created a Kylo Ren cosplay Simply from trailers and released images. <laughs> That's cool. And it was it was based off of the that this wasn't in this particular. Well, no, it was because he was wearing his Star Killer base outfit. So with like the the um, shawl wrapped around his neck, um, like it. So I I had this whole outfit based off of just those images. But, you know, the movie itself was a whole different story for me. So, oh, well. Do you guys remember when when, when some of those some of those people were, were just up in arms about how that was actually Mark Hamill? Oh, what? Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that Kylo Ren was Mark Hamill? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they were full on that Kylo, uh, Luke Skywalker had gone dark and that that uh, was 
Luke Skywalker, like dark Luke Skywalker. And people are like, what are you talking about? That's Adam Driver. Clearly. You know, why else wouldn't they show him in the trailer? Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, they didn't show any. They held that back, right? Like, the Falcon is the most yeah. vintage thing you get in in that trailer and the music. But Stormtrooper costume. Yeah, yeah you're, right, you're right. But it, albeit an updated one. But otherwise, you get uh, the four main leads and BB-8. And who, yeah. like, you know, BB-8's the second character you see in the trailer. I think. And like right yeah. away you're like that is so like he became instant icon almost. We're just like, yeah, right. that, that's Star Wars. Like it's clearly an update to Star Wars, but it's so clearly Star Wars. It was just Well with BB eight, the question was like, Oh, that CG is fantastic. How did they do that? And then they roll him out at celebration for real. Yeah. You know, because people didn't know if it was a real if it was a real thing. And yeah, it was, it, you know, practical sets, real effects. <laughs> yeah, the whole campaign was based on that line. Yeah. <laughs> and spe- speaking of campaigns, I mean, you do you remember the stupid uproar about, you know, a black stormtrooper? Oh, because Finn, Finn was the first face we saw. Yeah, he was the first face we saw for anything TFA for this mm-hmm. for this whole new Disney era. And, and oh, I boy. remember reading articles like these petitions going around of like boycott episode seven. And like for no good reason other than there's a black stormtrooper. Yeah, it was sort of like that first crack in the armor, right? Because we're all having a great time getting Mm -hmm. excited about Star Wars. And then these idiots doing what they do. And it it was just like a reminder that this element is still there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's only gotten worse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and, And for sure, it's only gotten worse because they have now figured out ways to really monetize it and get rewarded for for this bad faith stuff. But I digress. Let's let's not fall into that rabbit hole. But Nathan, do you remember where you were? Black Friday, twenty fourteen. I don't. I don't remember where I was. <laughs> oh boy, what but, a sad bunch we are. <laughs> no, but I, I. I mean, I remember. I remember those feelings because you know I don't remember the, where I was the first time, but I watched that trailer. God knows how many times. You know that first week alone, but uh, but yeah, I went wet back and watched it. Uh, to, earlier tonight, and oh, I mean, those feelings just come rushing back. That Falcon, that Falcon shot like, with the with the blast of the music, and oh, like it, it's easy to forget how huge that was. You know, it was it was new Falcon, and it was you know Falcon like we've never seen it before. It was it was insane. Yeah, it's gonna be free of the constraints of mocap. <laughs> it was yeah. going to be amazing. Like the, no more wires. We're going to have an unleashed, un, untethered Falcon that was going to just do things we'd never seen it do before. Yep. It was. It was oh, exhilarating, and not knowing, you know, seeing Ray and and not knowing who she is, and and Finn. Oh, it's Black Stormtrooper. Oh, controversial, but you know, it was. Uh, when all things were possible. Oh, the, so the <laughs> days of 2014. Oh, and, and embarrassing things like Stephen Colbert telling us how Kylo Ren's lightsaber worked. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was almost as controversial as Finn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it's a, it was a wild. But of course, you know, after I watched that one a couple times, I had to, I watched them all, and then I watched all of the sequel trilogy and Rogue One trailers, and then I watched reactions, yeah. and those feelings come rushing back. And it's like, there's, yeah, there's, anyway, know, I'm preaching to the choir, but there's, I, I don't think there's anything quite like a Star Wars trailer. No, no, it, 
No, because even I think by date, I think the Phantom Menace trailer came out in 1997, sometime in November, the first teaser trailer. And thinking about, or maybe 98, and thinking about what that was like and how hard it was just to get to watch that thing. Um, for yeah. those of us who were around to try to download that thing on dial-up. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, or and buying watch, tickets like, to postage stamp. Cinematic Masterpiece, yeah. Meet Joe Black. Yeah, me, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but do you think about I, there's there's a like a short documentary that I'd have to look it up, but there it, it talks about like the anatomy of movie trailers and it kind of sparked from the way the Phantom Menace trailer was constructed. And I mean, that trailer basically tells you the movie to an extent. Yeah. Um, there's so much there's so much in it and how trailers themselves become their own um events. You know, where like trailer drops are like such a huge thing. Where before that, like before Phantom Menace, like it kind of really, it didn't really exist the same way. And to see like the like how Star Wars, especially Star Wars trailers, have have kind of evolved. Um, I, I remember when the first um, Last Jedi trailer came out. Like structurally, the first uh, Last Jedi trailer, it's hard to say. And I think the for either the that or the first or second. Um, force awakens trailer like you can play them side by side and like the the cuts are almost exactly the same and the shots are they mirror each other um yeah and I obviously that. rise of skywalker went a completely different direction but it just like but being in the moment at the time like i remember for us we were home you know i had the day off and you know it's, it was a holiday weekend and i think like my mother-in-law was in town and i i think there were rumors that the trailer was going to drop at midnight the night prior and so there was a lot of this like refreshing the computer, like just waiting like for this thing, like when is this going to drop? And then it doesn't like finally like feeling defeated at like 1230 or one o'clock in the morning. Like it's, it's not going to, it's never going to happen. And like the next morning we got up, we had breakfast. So I was sitting on the floor and like saw like on YouTube that it popped because I wasn't on Twitter at the time yet. Um, what a glorious time that was. And, um, and then like playing it on our TV. And for the first time in all of us. And I remember just like tearing up. I was like, oh my God, it's back. This whole thing is back. The music, like you said, the, the, the TIE fighter sounds um, with, you know, flying and just the way that that twisting shot was with the Falcon. Like you said, it was untethered. We'd never seen anything like that before. And here we were, we were going back to Tatooine for all we knew. And, uh, yeah. you know, just like, like you said, all the possibilities. And that whole day was like, I just, I need to see this over and over and over again. And there's there's a lot to see in it. Um, but a lot of the speculation was like, whose voice was, it? who is that talking Snoke? Like, I don't even think we knew the name Snoke yet. Um, if so. they had released any of that stuff yet. Um, and to hear this, this voice of like, Oh my God, is that the new bad guy? Is that, Oh, is that Kylo Ren's voice? Is that Luke's voice? Um, yeah, it was, it was a crazy time. It, it really was. And it, man, like I said, when all things f felt possible, <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay uh well happy seventh anniversary to that trailer can't believe Yay. time's moving that quick Indeed. um okay so there's been a, there was again a lot of news this week and obviously you know we, we can't do a six-hour podcast or can we um <laughs> <laughs> don't tempt me with a good time but so I'll, we'll, we'll bullet point these news items and if anybody wants to stop on any of these because they have something to say by all means We'll stop. Okay, so uh, I think the first couple come out of 
the Empire Magazine spread that was out this week. And in it, uh, Kathleen Kennedy said that they have not forgotten the sequel trilogy characters and that conversations with the creative team are happening. Which, okay, that sounds great. We got, <laughs> I don't think there's anything revolutionary there. We already sort of knew that. We know that uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Daisy Ridley recently had lunch. I don't know if these two things are connected. We know that these characters are going to come back at some point. And Nathan, yeah, I think you made a good point in Facebook group earlier in the week. Yeah, and maybe probably even sooner than later. Mm-hmm. All right, next up. It, it would have been it would have been more surprising to me if we if she didn't say something like that. Mm. I mean, it wouldn't have been on our minds at all. Like she didn't say anything about the characters, but it still would have been like, are they doing anything? Of course, they're doing something. They want to, yeah. you know. They're still kind of fresh in people's minds. People are still arguing about the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. I mean, that movie's only two years old. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd say you know within the next five years or so, you know, they're going to have something more concrete. So it only makes sense for them to say something now. Yeah, and what what I think really interests me about these types of interviews is is sometimes the interviewee wants to see the questions in advance so that they can say, yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about that. Nope, not that. Oh, and also, can we talk about this? And I I wonder if the interviewer in this case asked the question or if it was like a request on Disney's behalf or Lucasfilm's behalf. Let's just slip. Can we slip this into the interview? We want to keep these characters. We want to give a wink to fans that these characters are still on the radar. So I'm always kind of interested I don't think see. Kathleen Kennedy's I don't think Kathy Kennedy's asking anybody for permission to say something. You know what I mean? Like she's just gonna throw it in there. They could have said, like, uh, so what do you think about uh the progression of Mandalorian season three? And she's like, Well, the sequel characters uh, are th- something that we're really concerned <laughs> about. She's gonna do whatever she wants. Oh yeah, no, I, I just mean that like there might be questions like before they get to the interview where questions mm-hmm. are made known, like, no, we can't talk about this. I don't want I don't want this to be the topic of conversation when we're promoting book of boba fett or if they intentionally wanted to bring up if luke's intentionally wants wants the sequel trilogy characters brought up quickly succinctly just to keep them you know simmering on the back burner in everybody's brain yeah and what she said doesn't necessarily mean that they're they're bringing back the actors for for either whatever live action or you know the thing is whether or not they're going to do live action or bring the cast back for animation or whatever, you know, they, they could do with the, with the actors. Um, even if they're not going to do that, they're not going to want to let that set of characters sit on the shelf for yeah. too long without doing anything with them. You know, we're starting to see them to fill in the, the backstory, the, the 30 year, interval between return of the jedi and force awakens um with with some books that are coming out now but uh for all for all we know i'm sorry to interrupt you but for all we know with her talking about sequel characters she could be talking about you know babu frick claude and colone the taxi driver from (laughs) rise of skywalker as like they're gonna lead the next trilogy oh please i'd watch it kalani i would too man the three of them (laughs) <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Kalani driving more... him around the sun. But one way or another, the stories are going to continue. I think, like relatively soon, whether it's in in books or comics or an animated series, 
or live action. Like in some way they're going to, you know, it's, it's been two years since the rise of Skywalker just about, um, you know, they're not going to let those characters just sit there. Like they're valuable characters. So they're going to want to use them to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't know what form that's going to take. My Absolutely. thing is, if they're saying it, like she said, you know, the creative team is is still thinking about these characters. Well, I mean, Star Wars Adventures has had tales of using sure. the sequel trilogy characters. Mm-hmm. That's cre- a creative team thing. Like, mm-hmm. who knows what she could actually be talking about. So, you know, I mean, they're still Palpatine. doing it with IDW, so. She's talking about Palpatine. <laughs> <Please. laughs> no, He'll no be more. back somehow. No more, <laughs> He'll be back. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on here. Uh, she did, in that same interview, give us I, as close to a confirmation as I think we're going to get that Rangers of the New Republic is dead. Not just on the shelf, but uh, dead. Yeah. Um, That's a shame. Mm, what exactly yet. did she say? Do you know? Well, she I don't have the quote, but she said that they had never written any scripts. Oh. And that it sounds like the show, whatever loose framework or ideas they had jotted down are going to be weaved into, she suspects, episodes of, future episodes of Mandalorian. Which I guess is also a soft confirmation of season four of Mandalorian. Or beyond. Because well, season Giancarlo three is basically in the can. Four. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito mentioned season four a while ago. Yeah. He did. But it is interesting that the specific phrasing that she used was, she said, um, the next iteration of the Mandalorian. So I'm not convinced that that means a future season. It could be the next phase of the, the Disney Era? park verse, you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true too. Huh. Well, that's unfortunate about I, – I did run across that today when I was doing some Googling, but um, that – and I wasn't sure how much stock to take in it because I hadn't read the actual article. But, um, I mean, I get it because I did – when it was first introduced that we were going to be getting Rangers of the New Republic, I was like, oh, it's going to be a Cara Dune show. And then, you know, the whole thing happened, and then it's like, oh, well, what are they going to do now? And people were telling me, like, oh, it wasn't ever going to be a Cara Dune show. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm pretty sure it was. People really and... ran with the narrative that Hera was simply going to switch switch in. And, like, I see people uh, in forums talking about that as if that was official. Um, and I, 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 it's too much of a game of whack-a-mole to try and play that. Yeah. Like, no, 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 guys, that was never a thing. That's, a, that's like a, a wish yeah. of some fans. But that's, I don't know, that's really going to happen. <laughs> And it yeah. sounds like it won't. Yeah. Well, that's, that's. I think. I think Hera was bound to show up at some point anyway. You know. I mean, you're bringing Ezra back. Sabine's coming back in live action. You know, it's they're playing up the Thrawn stuff storyline, continuation of Rebels. You know, Hera's a, an incredibly important figure during this time period. I think Hera's going to show up in live action. Not it necessarily for sure. in that capacity. Yeah. And also, just like reading the room culturally, maybe Star Wars doesn't need to be doing a cop show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, just like, yeah, we can just steer clear of that completely and just, there's lots of reasons to not even go near that right now. True. Yeah. 
Um, elsewhere in Star Wars, uh, Adam Driver, he's out promoting a movie. And of course, Ooh. somebody had to throw him the Star Wars softball. And uh, he said that he was not against returning to the franchise. He just wants to work with great filmmakers. And there's absolutely mm. nothing more to read into that. Who would tell? Who mm-hmm. would say, no, I'm out. I'm never taking that paycheck. But of course, you know, people did run with that and saying, oh, he's, he's coming. No. Nah. It doesn't mean that. He did. He super did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, they got it on film. <laughs> and, you know, for, I enjoy his work in the sequel trilogy, but I hope it remains that. I don't, I don't, this is like the, the number one thing among things I don't want to have back in Star Wars is this guy. Maybe I can get on board with like a Force Ghost cameo type thing, but that's, that's it. Like, I think, the role that he played served a purpose and that purpose is done. And, uh, I think, uh, I think, I think I had my fill of Kylo Ren and Ben Solo. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't have very many questions for him as pertains to events during the sequel trilogy. Um, so, I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, there's the whole the Luke's Academy thing that we've been talking about for, yeah, I, I'm down years. for that, but, but I mean, yeah, to see more of the upbringing, because I mean, there's so many gaps in his childhood. Um, and I mean, for my part, like the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book is Ooh. easily at the bottom of the list for me. I don't, I, yeah. I it didn't do anything for me. Um, so I, there's just so many other questions that, I mean, even that series for me didn't answer that I kind of want to know. I mean, I, there's a part of me that's just like, I really don't care about Ben Solo. I just there's a lot of weakness in the character for me, and I'm like, well, his story's done. I don't, I kind of don't want to know, but there are things that I want to know about what was going on with Snoke and Palpatine concerning him, and to see Luke like the degradation of Luke Skywalker because of things that happened to Ben, like that's kind of intriguing. Like to have him as the nucleus of a story and build around that, as opposed to yeah, let's bring Adam Driver back to sit on a log in Dagobah again. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm curious to see, and, and you know, I don't think Lucasfilm would ever commit one way or the other, but just to, I, I want to see Ben with his parents. I want to see their interactions mm-hmm. together. I want to know why he felt less than in their eyes, or you know, did they, did he disappoint them? Was that just his perception? Obviously, I think Star Wars is going to leave it up to you know, uh, reader or viewer interpretation. And let people take their own experiences and and map that onto Adam or Ben Solo, but I I want to like I I still I can't bring myself to believe that Han and Leia were just straight up bad parents. Mm-hmm. You know, of course they were busy; they were huge galactic figures. But I I can you can never make me think that yeah they were just insufficient parents. They were just not good people. They should not have had a kid. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I mean, we've see. had this we've had this discussion before, but. I I totally get it. I get where he's coming from. Because you can have parents that absolutely love you to death, but they still don't give you what you need. Yeah, and that's that's you know that's a, that's a fair thing. Like they just they don't get you. Exactly. And but and I I I exactly. wanna, I think we've been left to kind of twist in the wind with that. Like mm. you know, were they bad parents or did he was he just such an exceptional case that he they couldn't give him what he needed or was was he, no, he reasonable he, I don't know I, and I think 
it would he was be just, helpful. To he was a butthole. <laughs> he was just a butthole. Nobody liked. No, him. that's the truth. That's canon. That, but you also, I, I also imagine that being you know a, a quasi-military brat that he probably was, he probably didn't have a ton of friends. Like he probably didn't have a lot of exposure to other children, um, and just have a, a regular childhood. That doesn't seem to happen to Skywalkers where they can just be. There's always something going on in the in the background of their life that influences their future. It's well, always a Greedo. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a uh, I think you could do a real solid like Kenobi style miniseries. Um like between the time when when Ben you know joins becomes the leader of the Knights of Ren. Um, joins Snoke, becomes Snoke's apprentice, and you know, uh, TFA. Like somewhere in between there, you could show the the, you know, him realizing how, just what the First Order is for the first time, and navigating his way. You you could have the Huxes in there. Faz, you could bring back when Chris, Christie is Phasma. He's navigating the politics and has to find his place in the First Order, and you know his training. Um, under Snoke, and then you could, you know, um, juxtapose that with Luke going into hiding. You could show Luke recording messages to um, Han and Leia, apologizing, saying that he's he's leaving and not going to tell him where he's going. And you know, I mean, I think there's some great stuff you could do there. You know, that Luke, sounds incredible. Luke getting the Octo and putting the the X wing in in the in the sea, throwing it into the sea, mm-hmm. like. You know, like I think you could do a real great series in that like short period between him joining Snoke and, you know, well, you could go, you know, month, weeks, months, whatever, you know, it takes to tell the story. But I think that'd be something that'd be really cool to see. Yeah, I'd be down for that. You could have arguably have hoped, you know, for a a 12 issue miniseries for Rise of Kylo Ren, where it could have touched on all that stuff instead of instead of four. But I digress. We did that episode what, two years ago, almost. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think Ryan Johnson should be uh, the person to write that miniseries if they were to do it. I think, and I think Ryan Johnson, like like JJ, is the the guy that Boyega would come back for. I feel like Ryan Johnson's the guy that Adam Driver would come back for. Wait, hold on, Corey just. Uh slid into my dms and he told me that uh ryan johnson is out he's out for good <laughs> yeah he's he's out from the movie trilogy because he's he's writing this miniseries oh okay <laughs> you know I, I put so much stock in the fact that the ryan johnson news piece from from almost exactly it's got to be almost exactly four years ago right mm-hmm. i think we've crossed four years that he got uh, the announcement on, on StarWars.com that he was doing his own series of movies and <laughs> nothing since. But I, I still put all kinds of stock in the in the fact that that web piece is still up. And when the Game of Thrones guys yeah. got canned, that piece came down. So as long as I, mm. that's, that news item is up on StarWars.com, I think that's sort of a nod to the rest of us that he's still in until we take this piece down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not like Lucasfilm to jump the gun with announcements. That's you know that they no, that they would never. <laughs> they, yeah, they're not. They're just simply not known for that. 
Oh my god. Oh wait, hold on. I just got another DM. Um he's back. Ryan Johnson's back. Oh, they rehired him? Oh, they worked it out? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But still I yeah, still some... still no date on his on when his what it what it is, what he's doing, or when it, we're gonna see it. Well, that that message came to Corey from I think a burner phone, so it's not <laughs> legit. It's not from an official source. So mm. <laughs> all right. Um I'll check back again next week. We'll see where we're, we'll see where Ryan's at. And then uh, lastly, <laughs> a new 30-second TV spot for Book of Boba Fett called Rain. I guess we're at that part of the uh, promotion cycle. For me, personally, this... I, okay, whatever. It's, you know, there's some cool shots. I got nothing out of this that I didn't already either know or strongly suspect. Anybody else? Yeah. I don't know. We got that, that look that... Uh, uh, Tim is giving a, what? What's the actress's name? The Twilight uh, Beal. Jennifer Beals. Um, Jennifer Jen- yeah, Flashdance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's giving her some kind of look in that that TV spot. Maybe he's just apologizing know. about Ula. I didn't help your sister. <laughs> I, I was there. I don't know. But I think it would be interesting. You know, <laughs> sort of like sort of like what George Lucas wanted to do with Sheev. <laughs> Throw in like a, a a love interest in in Boba's past that you know maybe they have a history you never know you mm. you never know Flashdance and Boba Fett that's what? that's right out of eighty three if I'm not mistaken is Flashdance eighty three let's see somewhere around there yeah Flashdance I wouldn't know nineteen eighty three film oh there it is <laughs> that's the connection Boba Fett eighty three Flashdance eighty three it's happening that that's a romance right there. That's a ship. That's the next <laughs> Star Wars ship. Something about her character in that shot, though, looks like she's some kind of authority. You know, whether she's running a business or has some kind of higher station, something about her says, like, don't mess with me. And he's like, the fact that he's, he's taking his helmet off to her, like, almost shows a little bit of reverence. So mm. there's a little bit of humility on his side. He doesn't, nothing about him is threatening or imposing in that moment. And I, she's going to be one to watch in this show. Yeah, but also I feel like that's exactly the type of figure that Boba Fett would go for, you know. The, yeah, uh, he might be in the, those shirtless Gaborian guards, for all we know. Maybe you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that expression. I don't know. Maybe I read into it, but it looks like something to me. There, there was that one shot mm. where the the doors open and you see the slave one. And mm-hmm. when I first watched on my phone, and so it was it was small small little picture, and I didn't. I was like, "Oh, I bet you that's the shot where Boba Fett, just after he's rescued, and he goes and gets his ship back, and it's you know they've, it's been stored at Jabba's palace." But then I watched it a second uh. time, and uh, I think Fennec Shand is standing with him. Mm-hmm. So it's it's probably just a, a generic shot from some episode. Yeah, yeah, no, but he's wear he's wearing his black robes with the gaffy stick. He doesn't yeah, have why, his armor. Why would he take his armor off? That's that's the thing. Yeah. I don't think he's got it yet. I think at that point, the, you know, for my headcanon, that's when he that's like post Cobb Vanth after she gets shot by uh um small balls McGee, whatever his name was. <laughs> and um <laughs> then they they get the tip off to go to Tython, because that's where Din and Grogo are. So that's him hightailing out to Tython. That's my guess. Oh. Yeah, that's that sounds right. I like it. Interesting. Yeah, and and did 
I don't know if anybody saw this. This was going around Twitter, I think. Uh, but they matched Jabba's hanger to the hanger from Battlefront 2015. Yeah, I saw that. Nice that's, touch. That's pretty great. Yeah. Yep. And uh, also, uh, interesting, speaking of, of Jabba, um, they wiped out the Hut Council in War of the Bounty Hunters, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about and that? Put, and put Jabba in charge of the entire Hut cartel. So unless yep. Bib really goofed up and that all fell apart, Boba's in charge of the Hut cartel. <laughs> That's true. There might not be any Hut. You know, we don't know of any other Huts that are still out there because, I mean, Bacchus. Stinky. He's the one that screwed everybody over. Stinky's still yeah, out wherever there. Wherever he's at. Yeah. But I mean, but we don't know anything about what's going on there. And the yeah. fact that they, this is, this is what I get from what we know so far, but just putting things together, like Bib Fortuna had to be an incompetent leader because if Jabba had been gone for five or six years at this point, and they're still talking to these new faces to us, you know, the other mm -hmm. Aqualish and in uh, Trandoshans that are at the table and they're still referencing Jabba as some kind of example of authority, like Bib Fortuna didn't do anything but sit in that throne. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and you know, right? Not a good as leader, well, but a great Jabba leader. Did. Yeah, but something about that shot. I've been even from the first trailer we got a few weeks ago. Um, that whole table is dropping in the Rancor pit. Like that's my prediction. I'm like, they're all, all of them are going in there. <laughs> Yeah, because mm. Boba stands up. That whole table is on the doors <laughs> of the Rancor pit. They're all whether there's a Rancor in there or not. They're all going down there. <laughs> well, there's that. There's I think again going back to the Empire magazine spread. I think they did also speak to Robert Rodriguez at some point, and they they talked about how no, it's it's kind of a different Boba Fett, and we know that a little bit from the first trailer where he he wants to work with treat people with respect and just do it almost Godfather style. But then in this in this interview, he talked about, oh, yeah, we're going to see Barbarian Boba Fett. Yep. And I feel like, he, okay, he's going to come in. He's going to try and do things in a new way, a way that he's not used to with respect and do things above board as much as an underworld character can do it. But it's, it's all going to go to hell for him at some point, and it's just going to be chaos. Well, here, here's a big difference between Boba Fett and Jabba the Hutt is that Jabba didn't do the dirty work himself. He always had somebody else do it. Yeah. So Boba can say, mm, yeah. I'm going to rule differently because I'm going to be the one who's cracking skulls. Mm. And okay. we've seen it. We saw it in the first trailer. He uses that whatever club thing, fighting those dudes with the shield, who, if I had to guess, those are some of the Red Key Raiders from the Aftermath books. And um, in this mm. in this commercial, he fires a wrist rocket at one of the guys, at somebody. So Mike, mm -hmm. he's not afraid to fight anybody. And if he's trying to set an example, he's not going to sit in a throne and tell you know, Mutt and Jeff, these two Gamorian guards, like you go out there and handle this. He's like, I'm going to handle it myself. <laughs> Mutt and yeah. Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Mutt and Jeff. <laughs> but yeah, Kyle, if, if Rod of the Hut shows up in this show, I will eat my foot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That is, whew, that is something. The interesting though, though, you know, you think about back to Phantom Menace, and the Huts controlled slavery on Tatooine. Yeah. So if Bubba inherits that, could we finally see the freeing of slaves on Tatooine? Oh. Would would Bubba do that? Like, you know, I feel like 
I feel like Boba Fett, if if he's finally gonna start taking a moral stance, because you know, prior to this, we've seen that he's you know pretty apolitical. You know, um, I wonder if if he's gonna start taking moral actions. Could he do that? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, yeah. you know what? I, f- I feel like there's a connection, potential connection there, because I feel like, you know, talking about Bad Batch, sorry, Rick, that <clears throat> if he ever encounters <laughs> Omega, she could be mm-hmm. the one to plant the idea in the head that we have to stop the Empire from using our brothers in this way. Or, yeah. You know, this is the way they look at the, what they've done to us. And then it, it puts this idea of indentured servitude into his brain where he's like, yeah, all forms of this need to go. And so he's, he could go and, and, and wreck shop and, and on Tatooine and free everybody and do the thing yeah. that the Jedi well, wouldn't do or couldn't yeah. do. I mean, Fennec, Fennec could even be that bridge and uh, having mm. known Omega, uh, yep. you know, at least a little while. Oh yeah. Mm. So, I mean, Omega doesn't really need to be in the show because we do have a point of connection. Yeah. She could carry that responsibility. Point, so, and who's to say, I mean, with however many seasons of Bad Batch we get, I mean, we know Fennec is going to be there again. She's going to have other run-ins between season one of Bad Batch and Book of Boba Fett. So there'll be more to build that character relationship off of. So Omega doesn't need to be in the show if they're going to use her morality mm-hmm. as some kind of catalyst for Boba. That could, like, Fennec can be the bridge for that. Yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. if we see a younger Moff Gideon in a future Bad Batch season. Like, I wonder if he's on Man- Mount Tantus right now, hanging out in that facility, and that's why he has got such an inside track on what's happening in in, in Mandalorian. Yeah, he's a purge trooper, remember, Kyle? We talked about this. <laughs> My yeah. grand Moff Gideon is a, is a former purge trooper theory. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that was a while ago. I don't yeah, remember her that conversations that are, like, two weeks old. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, it's null and void to me. <laughs> all right the the biggest surprise from that from this 30 second spot was the uh the return of 88 the like torture droid from return of the jedi nice the big white droid with the long face that's uh the doing the branding droid. on uh yeah on the on the gonk droid so ev99 is the one calling the shots who's that well that that's ev99 but 88 is like the long-faced white one Oh right, right, right. That's pulling the handle on the on the branding thing. And he was eighty eights in the background, like being uh like I don't know. He's you saw my picture in the group, Nathan, yeah, Return yeah, of the yeah. King. Good for him. I'm glad he's back. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, bring them all back, man. R five, bring them all back. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, what? An hour and ten minutes into the podcast, we can finally talk about some books. <laughs> <laughs> we talked touched on them slightly here, but uh, let's get into it here. Dark turn, dark dark horse is back, everybody. This is big news, like really Wild. big news, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So I don't know how Screen Rant got an exclusive on this. I mean, usually they're a <laughs> clickbait mill, but uh, they announced, and StarWars.com confirmed it that. Dark Horse Comics will be publishing Star Wars comics again after, well, about a decade, really. And mm-hmm. you know, they, they started doing this in, in, what, 91? And they were the publisher that, for 25 years or so, carried the Star Wars name. And then they were, Disney took over and 
turned all the publishing rights over to Marvel. Dark Horse was just like, oh, I guess we're out suddenly and fans were mad. But now they're back and now we're, we're going to have Marvel and IDW still around because we thought when we first heard rumors that IDW was losing the license, but then that was never confirmed and still hasn't been confirmed. It looks like we have three publishers now. Hmm. Like, See, that's what I was saying. I'm like, guys, slow down. Calm down. Right. Like, is Relax. This... Like, that is a lot of comic series to keep up with. Is this too well, many see, cooks in the kitchen finally? I was... No, I see. I, I'm sorry. I, I was hearing that IDW did not renew their license. There were rumors a few months ago that they, that they had lost the license that some other clickbaity site you know, picked up on. I don't remember who it was. And so like not a lot of credence was given to it. And then this story comes up and reading some of the other, um, and I'm trying to remember, I'd have to try to find who it was that basically said that they're going to be replacing the IDW books. Um, at least by publisher. That doesn't mean that, I don't know if that means they're going to be doing Star Wars adventures or you know what I mean? Um, but it sounded to me, and even the wording in the article is that they're going to be doing like all ages comics. Yeah. To me, yeah. it almost sounds like IDW is out um, in Dark Horse. I mean, we, but again, we haven't had any hard confirmation. So, I mean, yeah. we could have three publishers putting these books out, um, which can be really, really um, <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> uh, well, not just, but, but, I'm, but I'm thinking about it for just from the publishing aspect of trying to keep three different separate publishers in line with single storytelling, unless you have, you know, Marvel does your your mainline books, your Star Wars and adjacent titles and High Republic. And IDW does Star Wars Adventures, High Republic Adventures. And then IDW picks up some third thread that is like together, but separate from the other two where there isn't a lot of crossover. It feels like that's the only way you can yeah. do it. It just feels like you can't have three publishers trying to work together yeah, and not step on each other's toes. It just seems like a huge headache. Yeah, and my biggest concern is like, so I don't, I don't know. Obviously, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure about the IDW thing, but like High Republic Adventures is an ongoing single story series. Are they, if let's say IDW it, it didn't renew the the license, didn't get renewed, then are they going to end High Republic Adventures? and restart it or like i don't know what because that's the the series i'm like kind of focused on right now because i'm so behind um that i i'm invested highly invested in high republic adventures and i'm like i, I want it to have a natural stopping point hmm. that makes sense well who's to say i mean we got the end of phase one for the high republic is next month mm. you know or f first quarter of next year so if they've got the next what are we in november now if they've got the next arc planned out it could potentially end by april and because i don't think they gave a firm date as to when dark horse is going to start publishing except to say it was either 2022 or 2023 i forget what it the said early was. 2022 uh, yeah, what, I, was seeing, I, mean, I was seeing April or May float around. Yeah. You see, that that makes sense. Think about if they I don't know okay. where these stories are uh, number-wise. I'm forgetting where they are. 
But if they do one more arc, one more six issue arc from right now, that takes us into April, May. And that could start yeah. whatever the next either arc or new, you know, branch of stories is. See, you know, uh, just going by what's being told to us through from StarWars.com, mm. their official news piece doesn't mention the word IDW at all. Yeah, it doesn't. Your your first knee jerk is to th- not even think about IDW. Other okay, they, they didn't talk about it, so I guess it's fine. But yeah. over on the Screen Rant exclusive, uh, they say now Dark Horse will have its own welcoming home, sharing the ability to publish new Star Wars stories alongside Marvel Comics which IDW formerly shared to help kick off the High Republic era. So they say formerly in there as if IDW is totally out. And so now it, it, the omission of, of IDW on the starwars.com piece just makes me think that they didn't want to dump any negative news into this piece. And so we're just, just, it's, it's, I think it's over for IDW. I, I don't like, I don't see any way that they could just run with three publishers considering that they said uh-huh. that, I, that Dark Horse is doing all ages stuff. It seems like they've yeah. completely slurped up IDW's lunch here. Yeah. I I wonder if um, the decision to turn Monster at Temple Peak uh, from a graphic novel to a four-issue comic release... I wonder if the reason for that is because they knew that they weren't going to be able to keep publishing the graphic novel. So maybe rather than spend the money on, you know, printing the graphic novel and distributing that, if they said, well, it's done now, so why don't we just split it up and, you know, for a much less lesser cost, we'll distribute it as as comic issues. I wonder if that was behind the decision. Um, you know, listen, by the time this is this comes out, We'll, we'll have less than a year to distribute the the graphic novel before we lose the license. So yeah, yeah. I wonder if that was you know because they won't be able to, they won't be able to reprint reprint that graphic novel in the future. Um, you know, so you know why why spend any more money on it if if that's the case? Yeah, and you know. Dark Horse is, is you know, Marvel, DC are the big two, and Image is sort of, in I think, in, in the third spot. But Dark Horse has got some muscle. They, oh, yeah. they, they don't have to be limited to just, you know, all ages High Republic fair. It seems like that's where they're starting. But I have to imagine yeah. that it will branch out fairly quickly into other yeah. avenues. And they had, man, when you think about this, the eras that they covered, like they covered thousands of years in the past. All of it. They covered yeah. all of it. You would think didn't that they, they, have didn't to they also publish the Infinites? There wasn't Dark Horse the Infinite uh, Infinite stuff too. That you know was kind of the what if stuff in the future. I th- yeah, you're right. I didn't read any of that stuff, but you're right. That was under them as well. Yeah, and I think they also did. They they reprinted those beautiful Alan Moore comics that Nathan and I talked about last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would love to get my hands on those. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean. You bring in those people back, like, and it's funny because we haven't any of the people that worked on those old Star Dark Horse comics. I don't think made it over to Marvel, and there's a whole no, nobody of did. It's weird, right? Yeah, I, you I think, think so. about I that was weird. You, Mike Barron, Ostrander, you know, all of those names that were writing some of those books, or yeah, they all when Marvel took over, it was like, well, we got this whole new crop of people that are going to be doing this for us, and. Yeah. 
it's been good for the most part. I mean, at least on the creative side, you know, the, the books have all looked good, um, barring some uh, <laughs> tracing issues. Oh. But, you know, that that that's been covered to death, um, especially on this show. Oh, but <laughs> I'll never forgive them. I, it, as of late, like everybody that's on the creative side of these books has been doing a pretty good job. And, and I think like the War of the Bounty Hunter stuff gave everybody a chance to see all of it if they wanted to, because, you yeah. know, all these books were intertwined. So, I mean, like if you were just reading the Afro books, yeah, you can get your stories, but um, you kind of want to know. So it was a good way to get a sampling of all the creative teams behind some of these stories. And when you look back at uh, all the Dark Horse stuff, I mean, every book had a different feel from like the Tom, the Tom Veach, you know, Dark Empire stuff, you know, to what was going on with like the Tales of the Jedi and the look of those books, like everything, every era, every you know, uh, miniseries almost seem to have like its own fingerprint um, that set it apart from everything else. So I'm excited for Dark Horse to take over again. I don't know if they're going to be like, Dark Horse has it again, so let's pick up on uh, Knights of the Old Republic again and, you know, have uh, John Jackson Miller write new stories or something. So, no, but it feels like didn't Dark Horse, and I'm, I'm just as a, you know, passive observer, observer watching like the cover art and, and just by osmosis getting the tone of these books it felt like they had a bit of a harder edge to them and mm -hmm. i wonder if that is sort of the play here where disney and marvel they do what they do on the main titles and uh with high republic and that's fine it, it works and, and i think we all enjoy them very much but if they wanted to do like say more mall stories or this is maybe this is the birthplace of like a Mandalorian comic, something a little with a with a little harder edge to it. It feels like Dark Horse, tonally from a publisher standpoint, is the the more appropriate home for those for those titles for the, or for you that know, kind of title. You just brought something up here. Remember, was it um, just a, a year ago? Just over a year ago, there was a, a slate of stuff that was supposed to come out around the Mandalorian. That all, all got dropped. What if? Oh yeah. What if dark? What if Dark Horse is the home for Mandalorian comics? That's kind of mm. what I'm thinking. Yeah. And it just feels like a Mandalorian comic under Marvel, maybe wouldn't scratch the same itch as it would under what I think Dark Horse would do with it instead. I don't know. I yeah. I don't know Dark Horse very well as a publisher, but just looking through their catalog and their history as a publisher, they seem to have that grittier side to them that I think would serve a Mandalorian comic a little bit better. Do you not have any of the old dark horse comics? Kyle? No. Um, I have like the movie adaptations. Oh, there's a <laughs> hashtag for people like you. <laughs> there sure is. Fake fan, yeah. fake fan for anybody who doesn't know. Oh, they all know. They all, they all know. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to welcome all of our new listeners. Hashtag fake fan is a thing for Kyle. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know the the staff at Dark Horse uh, well enough to know, but I don't know if. I mean, it's been seven years. I don't know if any of the editorial staff that would have been working on the Star Wars line back then are even still at Dark Horse now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like Dark Horse has lost so many of its of its licenses in the last couple of years. You know, uh, most of them to Marvel. You know, uh, Conan, uh, uh, Conan, um, 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 Alien, uh, Predator. 
That's right. It's all Marvel stuff There's, now. It feels so weird yeah, over at Marvel, though. Yeah. It, it, so so I, I think one of the good things about that is that now that they have the Star Wars license back, in part at least, is that I think they're going to put their, their top talent <laughs> on these books because um, they're going to want to keep that license, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, it would it would suck to lose some of the people who were behind the IDW stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to see some of those some of those people branch over. You know, um, I mean, just you know, personal biases here. Like, I mean, Michael Morisi, you know, had been writing some of the Star Wars adventure stuff over there, and I'd like to see yeah. him and Derek Charm and what they were doing with the the Clone Wars stuff. I don't, you know, there was I remember uh, Kyle he talked about the possibility of those stories continuing and another miniseries and uh, you know I, mm. you know that stuff could still be on board it would it, you know it would suck to to lose um creators like that just because of um a publishing shift yeah yeah, yeah. well um, i think they're i think they're all part of the 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 family now so i think i think no matter what we'll see them pop up whether whether or not they're it, it, it's you know anthologies and annuals or an ongoing series, like there's, I think there's plenty of opportunities to to continue um, have these people tell stories in in the universe. And yeah, I think well, it's I time mean, for Michael Morrissey to graduate into Marvel proper. Like he's had so much success with with Barbaric <laughs> and with uh, Rick. What's the horror one that you would just finished reading? The plot. Is that what the plot, the plot. Yeah. Barbaric was great. It's only three issues. If anybody's interested, he's got more coming for that. The plot is one of my favorite comics of all time as, mm-hmm. as a story. It's, it, it's amazing. He just wrapped up wasted space. Um, issue 25 just came out. So, I mean, he's got a movie coming out pretty soon. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, like he put up like the, the poster image for um, his movie that I can't remember the name of. I knew he has, he's he, not listening. So I knew he had a horror movie on the go, but I didn't know it was that close. Yeah, he um, I he had told me before he had seen um, some of the like earlier cuts of it. It's basically ready to go, um, but I don't know what what they're looking for release dates or if it's going to be something like small theatrical or streaming or whatever. But um, he did release a poster just in the last maybe a week or two. Hmm. Um, I forget. I just I forget what the movie is called right now. And, and if he's listening, which I know he's not, but you know I, oh, I'll kick myself in the ass for not remembering. <laughs> He's not listening. He's a busy man. These guys, he's writing like seven different titles, man. He's got better things to do uh-huh. than to listen to Nathan rail about whatever. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a very entertaining railer here. Talk, uh-huh. Talking about the well, yeah. I mean, all the all the, all your weird neighbor towns on the island there. Yeah, well, what are you gonna do? You know? Yeah, you're you're out there on an, on an island. What can you do other than come up with crazy Newfoundland names for cities? <laughs> Yeah, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I mean, I can't argue with you. You know, who could... So, who, who I want to... Go ahead, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, a quote from the article on StarWars.com from the Dark Horse Comics founder and CEO said... Oh, crap, my phone. Okay. Said, the idea is to build up a Star Wars program that includes an ongoing series as well as an anthology. Mixed Mm. in would be one-shots and specials. Mm. So, basically, everything. Yeah. (laughs) That's not specific at all. Yeah. (laughs) Like, basically what Marvel is doing, but with Dark Horse. Yeah. Is what it sounds like. 
But it does say an ongoing series. It doesn't say, I mean, that's like reading into fine, fine details. But he says an ongoing series, an anthology, instead of like ongoing series. So, I don't know. It could just be... What, I, but what would the ongoing series be like? What is that? Is that High Republic Adventures, and then the anthology is Star Wars Adventures? Hmm. Yeah, you got to think be. that the, it's like Marvel or Disney or whoever really is pulling the strings doesn't want to take away the biggest titles from from Marvel. And that's why I kind of go like, would they really put Mando over at Dark Horse? Because that hmm. would be a, a huge money maker for Marvel. Yeah, yeah. It sounds to me like. It's just going to be the, uh, I, the the ongoing. I imagine would be High Republic Adventures, and then, I mean, I mean, Star Wars Adventures now is is really an an anthology series. So yeah, exactly. They're, they're probably just going to take the names over to Dark Horse. It'll probably be Volume Three of Star Wars Adventures. I would imagine. Yeah, that would make sense. With High Republic be... Adventures, it's weird though because there was, there's only ten issues. Yeah, I. Uh, I was going to say, do you remember when the High Republic started this year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. But uh, I think it'd be cool if Dark Horse did a, um, a, a tie into the Old Republic MMO. Do a, do a comic series. You know, uh, I, I wouldn't read it because, you know, I've only dipped my toe into that game. But uh, I think that would be really appreciated by a lot of people. Because technically, oh, it's yeah. continuing legend stories, um, and it's tying into a, a video game that just had its tenth anniversary. So you know, it's uh, I think that'd be fun, and to do it at Dark Horse would be extra special. I mean, Dark Horse had the Star Wars license for longer than Marvel had combined. Oh yeah, both times, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's really like the whole years. Star Wars comics. Yeah, Marvel's had it for 15 years total. Yeah. Considering the yep. 70s, 80s, and, and modern comics, Dark Horse had it for twice that long. Well, not quite, but 91 till 2014. Yep. Wow. So. What if it turns yeah, out that Dark it's... Horse is only doing like adaptations of the novels and nothing else? Yeesh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everybody's going to get that comic version of Force Collector that we've been asking for. That would be incredible, actually. (laughs) I I don't think so. I don't think that's the worst. That book was amazing. No, I'm just saying it's a fun book, but I mean, it's it's a book that kind of came and went, you know. But it would be perfect to make into a comic because of all the flash, the 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 psychometry. Agreed. I agree. Or, or you could do Alphabet Squadron, and it's just everybody looking miserable. Oh Lord, no, no. <laughs> yeah, be no. Forty-three issues of people staring at each other. <laughs> oh God! And uh, all these people that you have no idea who they are, and they're mentioned like once. Snark is off the charts. Well, like, I want to bring us up, Marie. Before. You don't know any of their names. <laughs> I know the the main people's names, but the the people that are like show up like general so-and-so and it's like a meeting with like 10 people in it and they all have names and you don't ever see them again see now all your competitors know that the office squad books are your 
that's your weak spot. So you know you got to study harder. Dang it! See, See that's God. the difference. That's the difference between me and Marie. Is she reads a book and hears about a character and says that's the first time that character's ever showed up. I just assume it's a very important character that I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to ask all of you this off the top of the show. I figured it would be better to to sock it for another day. But it's it's here we are. If you're reading a book. And I think I know the answer to all of this, but you're reading a Star Wars book and it's not roping you in. Like, Marie, you went through the Alphabet Squadron trilogy and it wasn't doing it for you, but you plowed through it anyway. Mm-mm. Like, is there Mm-mm. a point where you're just like, yeah, yeah, I'm out. Like, I, I, I've I, gone through half this book. It's not pulling my attention. I'm not having fun with it. I don't care for this. I don't care about the characters. You close the book and you, you leave it. Or do you feel the obligation to, to see it through? Usually I'll, if I, I hit me, a spot like that, I'll pick it up in the audiobook and try that and see mm. if that grabs me. And then I might switch back to the novel when I feel like I've settled into it again. Hmm. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Because, yeah, at that point, that's it's going to take 10 hours and cool get idea. it over with. Yeah. Marie, how did, I, I, I guess mm. I know that you sort of bail or, or, or plow through. I know you want to bail on those alphabet yeah, squadron so books. So when it comes to even just books in general, I think in my lifetime there have maybe been less than 5 books, maybe like 2 that I have ever started reading and not been able to finish because once I start a book, I feel an obligation to finish it no matter what. I and with that. Star Wars, even more so, because if I miss out on a big portion of a book that's a question in Dragon Con Star Wars trivia, <laughs> then that's my fault. <laughs> what about you, Rick? Do you feel the obligation, so, or do you are you easily able to pull the cord? Um, I mean, there's only really been a couple of new canon books where I really struggle to get through, and. Um, an example like uh, okay crash of fate was one that i kind of that i struggled with and again because a lot of it was really disconnected um except for yeah. some some things that kind of thread over a little bit and that book is very much kind of a menu for galaxy's edge um <laughs> you know concerning like when the book was released and stuff like that and then like i mean the, the last scenes of the book they're in a restaurant talking about you know what to order what drinks to order and celebration it's like okay i get it um <laughs> but i mean yeah I'll, I'll do the audiobook to kind of muscle through um some things and just like you there's i can only think of a couple of books that i started and didn't finish even if it took me some time um yeah because i kind of see it as like okay i've hit a lull in the book um not that the book itself is bad like there's a, there's a dip in this it, it, this part of the story and it's it'll pick up even if it doesn't by the end I'm like oh, okay well I'll just never go back to it again so I don't know if that's an issue for me and again I brought this up before if I can go through the four issues of the Rise of Kylo Ren and not stop I can yeah. pretty much muscle through any Star Wars novel <laughs> if it's not grabbing me right away. <laughs> just doing a tap. I'm sorry. Anybody that loves those books, no, I listen. I, I people love that series, but yeah. 
And I mean, I have variant covers for those issues. Have I'm you like, seen the prices on those, dude? I know they're Holy insane, and I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, yeah, and I don't, I don't know why. Hmm. I mean, I know why, but it, it doesn't make any sense. To me. <laughs> nah. Yeah, I, I, there have been a couple of. Well, I haven't. I can't remember walking away from a Star Wars book, but I do have a bunch on my shelf that I've, I've bought and not read. So, and I don't know that I'm going yeah. to get to them because the, the waves just keep coming. And it's just, it's going to be a long time, I think, before I get to the Alphabet Squadron books. I think I have two of them on my shelf right now. I don't know when I'm going to get to them. Yeah, oh, just so wait, wait, till you, wait till you get to Lesser Evil, <laughs> the, the last Thrawn book. I just 550 pages. Rick, Whoa. I told you before, I am never reading that book. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Of the three books I in this love trilogy. Them. Yeah. They're fun. They're good books. Okay. But of these three, if I had to rank these three, it's book one, book three, and then book two. Book three, I, yes, it's long. There's a lot there. The pacing is a lot faster than I think, especially book two is because book two is like, what is going on here? There's all of these, same like you said, Marie, there's all these names. How am I going to remember all of this stuff? Like, I feel bad for Tim Zahn having to write all these names down. It's like copy and paste at random points and fill in the gaps around them, it seems. Um, but yeah, book three ends in a very satisfying way because it could have just been like, you know, you messed up throne and you got to go. Like there's a there's a reason why he ends up where he ends up, where which is a starting point to the previous stories. Um, and it fits, you know, like Tim Zahn, he could have written himself, he could have painted himself into a corner. And I think he did a good job getting to where he needed to go. And I think the flow of the book is just better than the second book was. So in, like I said, in four years when you finally you can do the audiobooks, Kyle. I mean, that's a thing, you know. Yeah, so I uh, mean, it is uh, it is possible. I I'm never going to remember all the names, especially of a lot of the Chiss characters. Well, um, is the and, what's the uh, over under on the number of times Thrawn says perhaps? Oh, in book three, it's it, it's at least three dozen, and it's not just him; it's at least three dozen times. I'm out in the book. I'm out. <laughs> no, I. Just, I I, I was so hyper aware of it for this book because like I said, other people say it too. Like, I love it. I have a signed copy of the book coming and I have it. I'm going to have it inscribed. It's going to just going to say perhaps dot, 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 dot. And then to me. <laughs> love it. I was thinking the other day about how good that first Thrawn novel is the 2016 Thrawn novel. It's, is it 2016 yeah. or 2017? 20, 2017, I think. If only we were right. using these devices that could give us this information. I think it's 2017 because ah. Thrawn, Thrawn first showed up in the fall of 2016, right? On Rebels? Hmm. Something like that. Yeah. So they announced yeah, it was 20, that, 2017. Yeah, they announced it at Celebration 2016 and it came out in 2017. Yeah. But I was thinking no, about it was, how great. It was Celebration 2015. Where they was the one in, really? Yeah, because he showed up in the trailer. That was the one in, um, was it Celebration Europe or Celebration? Yeah, Celebration Europe. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, that's crazy. They announced the book that far out. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the, the uh, book is 2017. Though. That's crazy. But anyway, uh, but then I was thinking about how weird it was, to bring it back to comics, how weird it was that they adapted that novel into a comic. Why? And and nothing else afterwards. Yeah, it was. It's such an oddity. 
in the yeah. Marvel library. Like, and even that first issue of Thrawn is is tough to get. Yeah. I, I guess that's why. I guess it didn't sell well. Yeah, it was, that, that, that's a weird one for me. It was very disconnected from everything else that was coming out at the time. That's one of the reasons why I like it. Especially the, like the trilogy that just ended, like to show the politics of the and some of the seeds that they drop in this thing about things that happened thousands of years ago. Um, like it, I I need to know the Chiss involvement in things that happened four or five, eight thousand years ago mm. that are alluded to in this book. Like mm. I, if, if Tim Zahn wants to pick up those threads where he's not writing Thrawn anymore, but he's writing more Chiss stories, give me those stories. Oh man, that's like Afra. <laughs> so many yeah. things. Afra, um, Tuka Jedi Lost, all that kind of stuff. Oh. It's just it, it's just pointing in, in a direction that's so much farther back than anything else. You know, mm -hmm. I mean we we can talk about all the rumors about you know any Kotor stuff or just old Republic stuff. And this is a way to where it's not just completely removed from everything else, but there is that thread of um, familiarity if you're throwing some chiss interloping into the mm -hmm. stuff that's going on. Yeah. Well, uh, let's maybe, Ryan, maybe, Ryan, that, so. <laughs> maybe Ryan Johnson is whispering in Tim Zahn's ear and uh, mm. having him plant seeds for his trilogy. Oh, wait. Mm. Um, Tim Zahn just texted me. Um, Ryan Johnson's <laughs> out. Ooh, oh, a double confirmation, shoot. everybody. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Going from Tim Zahn and Corey. That, that's, that's airtight. <laughs> so, okay, so let's, let's, I mean, just aside... What have we all been reading lately that we want to just quickly go go around the table with? Do, do we want to start with Book of Boba, uh, War of the Bounty Hunters? Mm. I think we all we all kind of polished that series off. That bloated thirty four issue crossover. <laughs> it was a bit. It was a bit much. I, I Nathan, I remember you and I spoke about this, and I no, I remember you were with us, I believe. Like what? are they going to do now that we're yeah. getting close to return of the Jedi? What's going to happen? Like they're running out of racetrack and Oh, I know what they'll do. They're going to give you a 34 issue <laughs> crossover. That they're takes gonna... place over like two days. We're really going to wring out the sponge. Yeah. And it was, it was excessive. But if you, like for me, I found the, the right lane for me, which was just the main title, uh, bounty hunter, and the the War of the Bounty Hunter title that to me got, gave me a great experience with the, with the book, and I was really surprised. Like I was very happy with it by the end. Like it did a lot of cool things. Um, the I got, the most shocking thing was we talked about it before. Darth Vader showing up and just taking out all the huts. Yeah. Yeah. That was some wild stuff. And of course, the return of Kira, which sets up the next big crossover event. So I, I guess what we know now is, yeah, just watch how we're going to squeeze this era for every nickel that you have. But Rick, how did you yeah. like War of the Bounty Hunters? All in all, um, I'd give it, you know, probably like a good seven and a half, eight out of ten. You know, th there was a point in the series right around the auction um, on Jakara where it seemed to be kind of spinning its wheels a little bit. 
Um, there wasn't a lot of forward momentum. Um, but all in all, I enjoyed it. Like the one shots that they put out, it was like, uh, you know, Jabba and IG, whatever, bounty hunters were kind of like a little hit or miss. Um, I think of those, the the Bausch one shot was probably my favorite. That was good. Um, that mm-hmm. one was really cool with with all of the other, um, I forget the species, but like the other characters when they're, they're all sitting down the at the table and it's just their helmets. Yeah. You just see all their helmets and stuff. And that's, that's your introduction to them. Um, and how, um, was it uh domina tag is just like mm. wreck and shop with all that like she's such an she's a cool character she's a she cool is addition. amazing <laughs> yeah um yeah that issue see, came out of nowhere for me it was yeah so and, and to to see how they've seeded um crimson dawn uh into something else like leaves me with a lot of questions of like you know what what exactly is kira's reach and how much more of her are we going to get? And, you know, given the time frame of this book or of this series, you know, by the time of Book of Boba Fett, Crimson Dawn could still be one of those major players. I'm not saying that Amelia Clark will be in the show or anything like that, but it would be nice to get some kind of a mention of what Crimson Dawn is doing. Um, and, you know, in the two series that they're talking about afterwards with Crimson Rain, um, with um, everybody's favorite um, mountaintop bad boys, uh, the Knights of Ren. And, um, <laughs> and uh what is it hidden empire after that hidden empire is kind of what what is kind of getting me uh kind of excited because that to me like we've seen them bridge over all of these different elements from legend stuff now and kind of what was going on with like those original thrawn books of how like the power vacuum kind of uh you started to see you know some of these other people you know try to rise up maybe they'll bring in some of that stuff to kind of more Kind of the pirate stuff that we were seeing like with talon card maybe we'll see some kind of equivalent to that within some of these kira centered uh comics but yeah all in all I, the war of the bounty hunter stuff was like it was very bloated there was there was maybe sometimes a little bit too much there but i enjoyed it you yep. know for what it was now marie i know that you and i had uh, uh, i think we struggled with the darth vader title as it relates to <laughs> war of the bounty hunters <laughs> It, there were some strange issues, and it just seemed to not find its yeah. footing within the overall crossover. Mm. I I don't think so. And Sly Moore's story, like it, it was such a strange choice. Mm-hmm. And I found I found myself really feeling for her because. She was force sensitive, which I didn't realize until. Oh, did we know that before? I don't think so. I didn't. I think in so, Legends it was a thing. Okay. So, well, we find out she's force sensitive and she basically gets stepped on every chance that anybody, any chance like Vader has. And, um, oh, God. Oh God, name name. Ochi, the Shigurian. Oh Masamita, Masamita, yeah. So like he loves to step on Slymore, mm. and you know calling her what assistant administrator or whatever or sub sub administrator, and she is the Dwight Schrute of the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like it oh my gosh I that that series and the weird thing about the Darth Vader series is that it 
it went forward in time and then back in time and then forward and then back. And like, but it wasn't consistent in where it went forward and where it went back. It was Mm -hmm. just all over the place. And I was like, what is happening? So the Darth Vader series had an interesting relationship with War of the Bounty Hunters. But the series that had an incredible relationship with the overall crossover event and managed to keep its own voice during the crossover event was the Bounty Hunters series. Mm-hmm. That, oh my God. I that, that series, when I first started reading it, I was like, uh... That, you know, that this is fine. This is okay. There's a queer character that's amazing. You know, like that was awesome. Um, but then Boba Fett killed her, and I was like, "Well, that w- this series doesn't make any sense." They <laughs> killed off the queer character, and I was like, "This sucks." And then, like, Bounty Hunters just picked up. It found its voice. It has consistently kept that voice, and I adore that series. I remember the, the early going, there was controversy that dogged that series. And I don't remember if it was specifically because of Boba Fett killing off that queer character or if he had killed somebody who was pregnant or maybe it's the same character. But I remember Boba was- Fett didn't well, kill the pregnant person. Um, they, But they, there was a guy that was going to kill a pregnant person. I remember the series was, well, every, the everybody was thought all the, kinds the of pregnant flack. character. Well, the thought was the pregnant character died. Like it went from one issue she, to another. She died eventually, but she, yeah. I don't think she, but she died like after she gave birth. Right. But the, the whole talk was like, why are they fridging, you know, either a mother character or another queer character, you know, to make yeah. Boba Fett look stronger. That's, that's what the controversy from what I remember was. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I'm glad that the but, series survived that and, you know, didn't get the plug pulled too. on it. And it's, it's, like Maria's saying, it's it's uh, one of the more quality series of of the Marvel yeah. Marvel stable right now. I mean, who would have thought not- at the beginning of all this that we would have cared about Dengar and Baylor Valance as a uh, team? I still don't care about Dengar. <laughs> yes, you do. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Dengar's but a yeah, chunk. Valance, like I I adore him. He is such a morally good human being. And he his, genuinely. His motivations, yeah. His motivations yeah. For, for wanting to help out. You know, it goes back to that uh, Imperial Cadet comic book, the Han Solo comic. Yeah. But he's. And like, I love the connections. Valance was left in a scrap heap. Like he, for people who don't know, like he's half man, almost like half droid. Yeah. And so I guess you can play with that a little bit because. Boba Fett, they were him and Boba Fett were working together. Baylor wanted to save Han, and Boba Fett only wanted to because it was his bounty. But they worked together until Boba Fett double crossed him and like blew him up with with a yeah. detonator of some kind. Like, is he? He was he was in a bad way. Like he was just a pile of scrap, and he's just like, oh man, like a junk pile on the floor. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they'll kill him well, off, you know, but he sure, they no, sure could. he's not going anywhere. You know who I feel bad for throughout this whole War of the Bounty Hunters thing is uh, Shara Bay. She's just like... She's hanging some, out like, on the Star Destroyer. Yeah, she's in some like wire rack somewhere, just like twiddling her thumbs like, any day now, guys? I've been for here seven for months. Six months. <laughs> yeah. That's the danger, right? When you do a line-wide yeah. crossover that 
a story arc that you're working at gets completely shelved. And you canonically, like Marie said, this is like a two-day thing. But for us as readers, we left Poe's mom, Shara Bay, on this Star Destroyer. And then pick up that story seven months later. It's going to feel really weird. Like, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, it was Starlight Squadron and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh... Kyle. Well, I I was just double checking because I was pretty sure I remembered that something happened with Valance. And what happened is Vader fixed him. Really? He looks human now. Huh. Fully human. Mm -hmm. And... It in it's the very end of the last issue, and it says, um, "So he goes, gasp, Vader, what what did you do to me?" And Vader says, "I had you fixed because you serve me now." Did I miss that, or did I just not buy that issue? Because <laughs> <laughs> it, I remember like it blowing my mind. Like this particular panel, I was like, "Holy crap!" Hmm. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. good for good for Baylor Valance finding a new employer. Oh God, I don't know if their morals are going to match up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, for me, I. I... <laughs> I enjoyed it well. It was way too big. And the one shots, pack it in, guys. Like the <laughs> some of those one shots were, were tough to get through. And then Zuckus. disappointing at the end. Oh boy. <laughs> but uh yeah, it it, it it was it was fine. Uh for me, I was disappointed by Kira in the end. Like I feel like I I still don't know really know why she was there. And uh, I, I just don't know. I just she didn't serve as big a a purpose in this story as I thought she was going to. No, she's, she's a puppet introduced... master. She's behind the scenes. I mean, oh sure, whole, oh like, sure. The, the but... tendrils that uh, Crimson Dawn have kind of extended, and you know that conversation that she has with Leia um, in that what in that last issue. Would yeah. I really enjoyed all of that because I was like, oh no, they're going to do this thing and. I was put off by it in the beginning. Like I just, I didn't want it. But then once I read through it and seeing, you know, how Kira is kind of playing both sides here, she's kind of talking about both sides of her mouth. And I was like, Oh, okay. I see what she's doing here. Yeah. I, I, I get that. But also it's like, Oh, so everything you tried to do didn't work. And <laughs> like your, your entire goal of getting Han back to, to lay in Chewie that, that didn't didn't work out. It's, eh, I eh, I was disappointed by it. Uh, and, well, may, and maybe uh, it does. Maybe she's, uh, you know, part of the reason why Lando is there. You know, I mean, we don't know that they could you know, pigeonhole or shoehorn that in there somewhere. Sure, but as of right now, I'm disappointed by it. I could turn around on it. They could they could they could turn me around on it. But as Nathan, of right now, I'm not Nathan. The, the story's not done yet, so g- give it time. Bad Batch, Bad Batch season no, two is coming. No, okay, no. It, 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 it might turn you around. No, but War of the Bounty Hunters is over, and I was disappointed by Kira uh, in War of the Bounty Hunters. Now, I might love her in, in Crimson Rain, and you know I might go back, and it might change my opinion. Now, I will disagree 
with that that oh, I I did not like that issue of Star Wars that was issue 18. I don't I I there's been something off about this whole run. This whole and and I'm a big Charles Soule fan. But this whole run there's just been something off and I think that issue I realized that I don't think he gets Leia or at least his interpretation of Leia is vastly different from mine. My my understanding I, yeah. of Leia, she would never say hope what is it she says hope is for suckers. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird. If over the, over Han Solo, she's going to give up on her hope for the galaxy just because <laughs> she lost Han. It feels like you can I, pull that card with Leia once and she gives up hope completely in The Last Jedi when they're in the mine and her son is gone and her brother's yeah. dead and blah, 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 blah. It feels like yeah. if, you're, if Leia's ever going to play that card at the end of everything, then is when you play it. And it, it, yeah. I wonder if Charles Soule said, well, like Ryan paved that road for me. And now I have like, I almost have like tacit permission to have Leia be hopeless, which feels wrong. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't get on board with it and that whole issue. And maybe that soured my, uh, you know the the Kira's explanation of of everything. Maybe maybe I just wasn't in a receptive um, <laughs> mood because no. of because it, of the Leia stuff. It it works for me, and I guess it's the hashtag not your Leia. Um, you can have that, <laughs> but um, and and again, I mean, it's the same kind of thing we talk about Luke. I mean, if there's there's dynamics to these characters, I, there has to be some points where Leia feels that kind of defeat. If she went her whole life and we never saw any points for her where she felt like she was going to quit, to me, that seems unrealistic. Mm. And I get what you're saying. For it to be at this point for this reason maybe doesn't feel justified. Um, but to think about how much she was willing to do to get him back, to get to this point, and still be with somebody she doesn't trust, to see who at this point is her most loyal companion set on fire. Oh, um, oh. To me, yeah. to me, it it makes it makes a little more sense for her to be in that position to almost want to give up, to feel hopeless, um, but then to have this conversation with Kira, maybe turn it back. I mean, what does she do to Kira? She pulls a she pulls a blaster on her. That's the first thing she does. You know, so I mean, she's she may say so, but she's not. Her head is not completely in in those hopeless waters yet. She knows that you know, with with enough fight, she'll she'll get to where she wants to be. I, and I think that part of her character comes through, but I, I do get what you're saying, how that can be off-putting to read it um, and, and see her say something like that. I get it. Yeah. But, and, uh, but I also don't, even if she, she did feel that, I don't think she would ever say that to out loud. <laughs> yeah. To, to her, who her comrades who are, you know, in the middle of a, a situation with her, <laughs> you know, like, but who, but who did you say it to? She says Chewy. it to Lando, Chewie. Who are they going to say it to? No, no. I, I mean, I don't think she would demoralize them. Because for me, I know for me... Chewie was it, on fire. You think he doesn't feel demoralized as it is? He just saw his best friend. He still looks like a ship. That's my point. She's not going to add fuel, excuse the pun, add fuel to the fire. But, you know, Chewie's like, well, shit, if, if Le Leia's given up hope... Maybe it is all pointless, you know? 
I don't think she's gonna do that. I think she's gonna Leia puts on if nothing else, Leia puts on a brave face for her friends to keep True, it. But Leia she, keeps everyone going. But she's not a cheerleader. No. You know what no. I mean? She's not going to be there to be like everybody else is down, so I have to be the one to lift up the room. I, I don't see that. Maybe she it maybe she is that way. I don't know. But for me, the, this thing works for her to reach this low because we know by the... Think about the end of where this story is going to be by the end of Return of the Jedi. They're, they are all at a high. This is a low point for all of them. Mm-hmm. And it has to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand how you... How you come to that conclusion about Leia. It's just not the conclusion that I would come to. I, no, I, I I'd like it. to go back Listen, to Tr- read- Charles Souls on Twitter. You can tell him yourself. <laughs> oh, don't worry. <laughs> I have. <laughs> <laughs> I sent him a strongly worded response to his newsletter, but yeah. I, I want to go back to those panels just to revisit it. Cause I think if Lando's in the room, then I don't like it. If, if it's just her and Chewie in the room, then I feel like, if there's anybody she could be vulnerable with and just let her genuine emotions come out with, it would be Chewbacca yeah. and he would lift her up and he would say, you know, he'd probably feel the same way. Like he's got the life debt with Han. He probably feels exactly the way she does in that moment. And they probably both felt like, you know what? This sucks. Like, man, we got so close. We had him and we lost him. Like there's no hope. Yeah. I just part of it too is I think I think about how Chewie breaks down when he finds out when Leia died in Rise of Skywalker, and I God, it, it was like it, ninety years later. <laughs> I know, but to me that's like I don't know. Leia, but even then, I, if if you think I'm sorry, if you think about this moment, if she's confiding with him and and saying this hope is for suckers, he's seen her. At her worst points and at her best points. So when she dies and he breaks mm-hmm. down, it's because he he's seen all of that. He's felt all of that from her. She's that important to him. I get it, but I, I my my take on Leia is that she holds she whole embodies so much of the hope of of the resistance of the rebellion. You know, it's you know, Poe says I'm not Leia, and Dam says that's for damn sure, right? And so cold. And and Poe loses hope in the end battle. Right? I don't think Leia would. I think Leia pushes it. But who brings him back? Lando brings him back. Sure. But I, I just don't think because Leia Lando, is the one to say, because, I'm sorry, my friends. No, but maybe Lando has, again, seeing knowing Leia's at this bottommost place sometime before he, again, through bridge these connections, he could be. The, he knows he's seen the example of how you bounce back. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is <laughs> in Rise of Skywalker, the big speech that Lando gives to Poe. You know, we had each other, and it's, it's like even now, the like the limited amount of time that they have to have each other. <laughs> Like Lando's like constantly trying to get away from them all. <laughs> yeah, and they they don't trust him at all. Yeah. It's like we had each other. We it is a little other, weird. But we I will admit that. Well, this is this is like three weeks after what happened. Yeah, there's another 30 years of them and Uncle Wanwo stuff that happens later on that they form those bonds. I guess so, mm. but I gotta be honest with you, I am ready for this era. Like let, let's leave this behind. Like this, 
this event like i thought it was fine it was too long and now i'm like can we just do something else please well we got two two more <laughs> bloated events to get through <laughs> oh, i know <laughs> um but part of me hopes that hidden empire is going to be maybe sort of pull a clone wars season seven and do sort of a uh you know, it, it, it coincides with Return of the Jedi, maybe, and, and goes beyond it. I don't know. That's cool. kind of my hope for it. Th- yeah, that, that would be great. You know That'd what I finished cool. reading recently? You're not going to believe it. I finished reading Rising Storm. <laughs> and, nice. I, and, you know, when when uh, The High Republic came out and you know, we all loved it and talked about it, I, I wanted to keep up with as much of it as I could manage. But I think I have to admit it, like, for me... Like the the adult novels are the ones that are keeping my full attention, and I, I don't want to knock any of the other stuff. I've read a bunch of it, I've struggled with it, but like Rising Storm and uh, Light of the Jedi, I've I, those ones I chewed through relatively quickly. Like they, they just were to me tremendous books. Two of mm-hmm. uh, two of my favorite Star Wars books. Period. I thought they were just so good. Hmm. Well, as the guy who just did a reread of The Rising Storm last week, um, I concur. It's a fantastic book. It it it's like it's emotionally like taxing to get through that book, especially by the end of it. This is the last sentences of it. Um, yeah, they're powerhouse books. These two, in my opinion, and whenever um, Fallen Star comes out, which right, let me put this out there for any, for anybody who ordered the. Goldsboro version of the rising storm. Um, if you haven't gotten an email about a, like a pre pre-order for the fallen star, um, check your emails because they went out. Um, the official pre-order hasn't launched yet, but anybody who got, uh, who did the, um, Goldsboro, um, rising storm got like, it's like a password encrypted way to get in to do a pre-order. So, but that's on January. So yeah, when fallen star comes out, it's like, that's going to break everybody. Well, it sounds like uh, Starlight Beacon is done for. Yeah. I mean, it, it's on the poster, man. I, we all know that. Like, That's not a spoiler. We've anything. spent so yeah. little time on Starlight Beacon. I, I feel like anyway. We also spent very little time with the drink gear. Yeah. Yeah, the big mean plants. Yeah. It, it, that was like, this big bad evil, and they're darker than the Sith. And they're... Well, Defeated. I don't know if you saw this, but like I, I remember it was floating around on Reddit for a while. I think that um, the Dren gear is an anagram for red herring. Uh, so it's like they uh, were never going to be what we all thought they were going to be. Like they play their part, and you know the Nile do their thing with them. But we made, I mean, most of what we did with the Dren gear was in the in the main High Republic comic book series. Yeah, and they kind of yeah. seem to have defeated that by finding like. Like Drengear Prime or whatever the hell they called him. Was it the Great yeah. Progenitor? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh and, man. What? And the only, the only real um, Starlight Beacon stuff we're getting is in the um, Insider. Yeah. In the magazines and those short stories. Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of strange because considering how much material is part of the High Republic, like it's 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 so much material, and it's only been a year. But like it, it, it seems that like we're moving so fast. Like Starlight Beacon is already going to be destroyed like a year into it, 
and we've already skipped a year in continuity like just yeah. skipped a year it's it's crazy to me how fast it's all moving do, do we know what the the greater motivations for the nile are like we know they just go around wrecking stuff like they just the, the great hyperspace dis- disaster to kick things off was their thing and then in rising storm it was destroying the the republic fair where they killed like a 10 10,000 thousands and thousands of people but beyond that like i don't know you know beyond you know pushing the republic out of what they think is their space and just causing chaos like i don't really know what they want yeah i, th- I no i think that is what they want they want to uh destabilize the republic and weaken it so that uh you know the republic isn't a isn't a an obstacle for them so they can go back to their their glory days or what they see as their glory days but uh, obviously it's it's really Marcion's motivations yeah. that we're not yeah. clear on like, yeah what the hell is the leveler what is it what the hell is it <laughs> yeah right well well there's what's there, in the box there's, some, uh-huh. there's something to there's something to the real family that extends back quite a ways and we don't know much of that yet. Maybe we'll get that in that Eye of the Storm comic book coming out next year. Yeah. But their motivations, like they're not political. They're not, you know, they're just there to sow chaos. And it's like, like Light of the Jedi was like their like reintroduction into the galaxy. And then Rising Storm was just this show of force of like, here's what we can do. Um, and whatever Fallen Star is, I mean, uh, who knows? But yeah, it, it, their motivations are very much in question. And then you like they set up this the whole hierarchy of how the Nile work, um, and there's got to be some kind of reasoning for that um, to see how this structure is. And you know, given what the Rising Storm does with um, Panada, and then the stuff that we get in Tempest Runner that mm-hmm. uh, you know I won't say D. too much. Uh, I, yeah, you know, for anybody who hasn't gone into that, there is a lot of the kind of the politics around that too in her character, which was actually that is a, a such cool a story. good book. Mm. Yeah, it was a really cool story. Um, but again, yeah, to what end? At least by the end of phase one, what does it say about the Nile? Their motivations? What ultimately do they want? Like, they don't want to see the power. They don't want. Um, it's not some kind of like galactic conquest that says we're going to rule everything. You know what I mean? It's just like they they don't want the law and order of the Republic yeah. to exist so that they can just have free reign to whatever's going on. But again, to know that Markion through his father and these artifacts that he's collecting, there's something about his family name because that's a, what the Rising Storm establishes is that he meets his cousin on that planet, the old lady, and yeah. that's where he gets the leveler. There's something about that that's attached to his family and his family's name. So there's something ancient mm-hmm. or semi-ancient that is says something about like some older power structure that um the real family had well it's funny because as soon as i i read i finished reading that and then i had a couple of issues of trail of shadows waiting for me and it was it was it's happened to me more than once where i would finish a novel and then pick up a comic and it it without me knowing they kind of the comic picked up where the novel leaves off so the end of Rising Storm, and this is I, it's a big gut punch, man. Like at the end of Light of the Jedi, we think that we've lost Loden Great Storm, and then we get him back, mm. and then we just get socked right in the mouth, right at the end of oh. Rising Storm. Uh-huh. Just punched right in the gut. 
and he's he's dead. He's like, what happened to him? Like it was like it was, that device was sort of turned on him, and he, it turned him to stone of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that, that's happening in the comics too with um, Tarek and Sarah. Um, Lorna uses it on one of the two, and then the other one feels it because they're kind of like. They have like this mental bond, even though they're yeah, and Keith Trennis know, is far apart from each other. Is there as well? Yeah, and it. What's cool about like her witness to that is that she's like reciting the Jedi code to herself, and then it just turns into there is only fear, there is only fear, and that's like the whole mantra of what this whole thing was back when it was still Project Luminous. Is like mm. what what scares the Jedi, and we can't, we still don't really know, but is it this? this connection of life because life is what bonds you to the force. Um, this, this, you know, feeling the void we talk about, you know, one of the two Tarek, I think it's Tarek uh, that's on the ship um, that says, you know, the void, he just says the void as this kind of like purgatory space or something that, you know, just this whole disconnection from what, what feeds into the force and, and this power that they have. Um, it's yeah, a scary said- concept. He says he's not dead. He's just not there. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's interesting. But it isn't maybe, and maybe, maybe I've read this wrong. But isn't it described as like a creature in um, the Rising Storm? It's a, it's described two different ways, because it's almost like in the Rising Storm, there's a scene where there is a creature. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. In the comic book, it presents itself almost like as like a mist, yeah, or like a smoke. So I don't think there's anything physical about it. And at the end of the Rising Storm, it's it's described as a creature that's like climbing up out of this canyon, and yeah. we see it. We see its perspective running past Martian Row into where Loden and Bell are. Yeah, because so I, because Markian sees it coming through the hallways of the sh- of, mm-hmm. of his ship, right? He sees its perspective, though. It's written right. as the, the leveler's perspective. So I, I think it's almost kind of like... A demon? The, <laughs> no, but I, I think it's like it takes the shape that the user wants it to take. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something like carnal, like bestial about how Marshawn wants to use it as this right. destructor. And Lorna, who herself that we know from Tempest Runner um, has worked with uh, Republic peoples, things like that. I don't want to say too much about it for anybody who hasn't gone into that book yet, that for her, it manifests itself differently. So I think, I think it depends on the user. Well, that would make sense given that, you know, Lorna as, as a, as a truly committed Nihil, unlike Martian, uh, you know, she would want it to take the form of a war cloud, which, mm-hmm. which is very appropriate for an aisle. It's funny the, the that version that they do here, because all the Jedi of this era, one of the devices that the authors have taken is to each Jedi has a different way of mm-hmm. connecting with the Force. Like some of them see it as like a, a volcano, like the Force has a mm. volcano, and some see it as a song, a the, city. Yeah, like it, they each have a different way of interpreting what the force is and then the the Nile on the other side they seem to have a different way of deploying this leveler thing Mm. it's it's a weird little inversion parallel that they that they've worked in here 
Yeah. But I, I'm I'm super impressed with the High Republic. Like for the amount of stuff that they've given us in eleven months or so, the quality of it has been generally really high. Yep. It's pretty impressive, and there's no reason to think it's it's going to get worse. It's probably only going to get better as as the stakes get higher and more of our newly favorite characters get you know put into really bad spots. But I have to say, yeah, I think. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, just coming out of Rising Storm, I thought that a character that I was like, man, nah, he's cool, but Elzar Man just was treated <laughs> so well. Like, what a cool oh, yeah. character now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I thought going into the book that I would really latch on to Ty Yorick. And I don't think I latched on super hard, but I, I'm I'm all about Ty Yorick. Like, I love that mm. character. I think she's super rad. Yeah, I agree. Well, I was going to say, you know, one of the cooler things about the higher public, and this was something that we talked about a long time ago, was we were worried about how they were going to use existing characters like, you know, Yoda, Maz Kanata, how they would figure in. And there's been nothing like <sighs> gratuitous about any of their inclusions. You know what I mean? Oh like my they've, God, all the... been, they've all been woven in in a way that feels right, you know, to have like Aparincissus or Yariel Poof or Yaddle um, pops up in. Uh, what is it out of was it out of the shadows or um and Yaddle has like normal yeah, speed. Yeah, it was. Um yeah, so yeah. and even like with in you see in Rising Storm, it's like, well, the Padawans took care of all the animals or all the creatures or whatever, and they're like, Oh, is Master Yoda here too? And they're like, No, we don't know where he is. And like there's been nothing that's been so overly gratuitous about the 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 characters that do connect. And same thing with Mas Kanata, like she has popped up in the higher public adventures with, um, court. with court and uh, yeah, with it's court so and all of that cute. stuff. <laughs> um, and it's there's like a so little baby court. Um, oh my God. But the, but the, the inclusion of like how they're weaving in the timeline is, has been really cool. Like they're allowing these characters to breathe on their own without having to lean on any other known characters from, from the era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's the whole thing has been, like all my concerns have been kind of put to bed. I'm like, yeah. I have questions, but I feel like those will all get answered over time. And it, they've, they've pumped out a lot of content, but it doesn't feel bloated in the way that book of the, the war of the bounty hunters felt intensely bloated. This feels like yeah. it's, it's telling this appropriate, the, the, like there's layers to it, right? Like if you want to follow this line, Great, mm-hmm. you'll get a, a a full, rounded story. And if you want to add this and this to the mix, like it 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 really just feels like you can tailor this the, the High Republic to exactly like to to suit your appetite exactly. Well, it it seems like every book in the High Republic has progressed the the timeline in a meaningful way. You know, where it's not just, here's a side story with our younger characters. There's something about what's happening in these side stories that pushes pushes the larger narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, it, it's been really cool to have that at different, for lack of a better term, like reading levels. The way this whole kind of like multimedia thing in that aspect has, has worked for them. Um, and just the inclusion of characters to see, you know, I, I'm a, to have like characters of color. Um, they have important roles in, in the way the storytelling is, is concerned. Um, when you talk about Ty York, and I mean, if you haven't read the monster at Temple Peak, how all of that plays out with her 
and why she's not a Jedi anymore. Yeah, I'm um, only you're two given, issues in. you know, basically, yeah, you're you're basically given that story without. Well, I don't want to say too much if you haven't finished it, but I mean, like, it it is a cool backstory for her character and why she seems really, really um, hesitant to work with the Jedi during the Rising Storm. It makes sense why she doesn't want to connect with anybody in the rising storm because of the things that happen um, in monster temple peak. Hmm. So any, anything else that anybody's reading that we want to touch on before we start to close it up? Ronan. Did, anybody read Ronan? No, not yet. I haven't read it yet. No. Oh my God. I'm the only one who read it. I own it. I just haven't, I've been reading Dune for the past. <laughs> like Marie, I'm on book I, four. Mar, Mar, Marie, Marie, I, I don't want to have to use the hashtag. <laughs> Don't make me use this. <laughs> I would never know. I would never do that. That's for Zephyr. Could you some company, Marie? Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I've just, I've been so consumed with being a Dune completionist now. So I've got like 25 books to read. Um, so I'm a little <laughs> absorbed with that. So the <laughs> last book I read was. Um, well, maybe not the last, but, but the, I, did I ever get to say how absolutely amazing Out of the Shadows was? I don't think you did. As a- say it again, even if you did. So, okay. So, Out of the Shadows, the young adult um, second group of uh, High Republic books. Oh my God. So freaking good. And you have the most adorable queer couple ever with Jordana Sparkburn and Sylvester Yarrow. And it, they are wonderfully fleshed out, well-developed characters in their own rights. And it, Oh my God, it is such a good book. I adored it. You read that one, didn't you? Read I, you know, so yeah, the, the first, maybe third of the book, like there were parts where I was like, mm, okay, like I'm like waiting for the next thing to kind of happen, but it kind of like the rising storm. It reaches a point in the book where it kicks off and then it just keeps moving. And it like, for me, like ultimately redeems the entire story. And like what, what Justine Ireland does with, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Grav, the, from the Grav family. Hmm. Oh, um, um... Yeah, yeah. Silent, silent. Yeah. Well, I remember like th- th- there's a couple of scenes in the book where they go to meet his grandmother or something where where she lives around her ship, and yeah, they he does like these wardrobe changes, and I remember like I I tweeted <laughs> at her and I was like, there's something very like prince about him, like he's like he's wearing these purple suits, he's like very flamboyant in that way, and she was like. Yup, you hit the nail on the head. Like it was a clear inspiration to have him in these very like prince like it was Prince and somebody else. I forget who the other like visual uh like inspiration she had for this character. Yeah. And like there was something about the way he was written uh-huh. and the that see that's one of those books where that's the so politics, cool. the politics of the story are very well written. Like mm-hmm. nothing about the politics is a slog because you get to see. Yeah. Like the the infighting of these families and the kind of the backstabbing and like the double talk that this mm-hmm. these families are doing to each other. And what we learn about Lorna D at the end of that book, mm, juicy, juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was good. Yeah, that yeah, I I did enjoy that book. Though it, since nobody's read Ronin, you guys. The- <laughs> <laughs> I watched the fifteen I, listen, minute short. I, I mean, what do you what else do you want from me? There's there's a lot more to it than that. I I, I will say here's what I my my take on the book. I absolutely enjoyed it. Like it it's a fantastic story. In the same way that like kind of the the newer Thrawn stuff feels familiar yet removed. Like Ronan's like that. Like Ronan's not connected to anything. It's obviously it's not a canon story or anything. There are things about this book that maybe went over my head a little bit in kind of like the the Japanese mysticism just just because of unfamiliarity. That's like my own ignorance. Um, but there's something um, unfamiliar in the particulars that still feels universally relatable in the way this story is told. And if you listen to any of the interviews that um, uh, Emma uh, Mexico Candon has given of like her own personal things that she's had to go through, like some like health struggles and things like that, the character of the Ronin only makes that much more sense. And I, I did like just like a little Twitter thread about it, like how this story feels very like written from the inside out. There's almost a certain claustrophobia written to the way the Ronin character is and his struggle and what he has to overcome that feels very inside out. And the same thing for her. She was like, this is where I was at in my life at the time when I was developing the story and like these health things that I had to deal with beforehand and the isolation that she had to go through. It all made sense. And uh, it, it's a beautifully, a beautifully written novel. There's something very poetic about it. And it feels so different from anything Star Wars, but still relatable because there there's elements to it, and especially like thematic elements that make it work. Um, so I a lot of people I know have struggled with it because her writing style is just completely different than a lot of the other Star Wars authors. But I I I really really enjoyed it. So I, it, it's a recommend. And Kyle, when you read it in 2025, you're going to look back on this conversation and be like, you know what, there, Rick, I was pretty, he was pretty good. No, I'm sorry I, I banned is, him from the that show. That is on reason. my short list of, of what I'm, I'm right now. I'm reading um, Queen Queen's Peril, the second one. Mm. <gasps> nice. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm really enjoying that one. Like I was, I was so, so on the first book. But I picked up the second because once I start a trilogy, I'm like, well, I gotta keep, I gotta see this through. But so far, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and I don't typically care for like prequel fare kind of stuff. Not, not in that, in the sense that this is in the prequel era. I, I mean, just like going back and doing backstory type stuff. I won't, I prefer to move forward instead of backwards. But in this case, to sort of look at the characters of of the handmaidens who are just like back almost background characters in the movies and to see mm-hmm. the internal politics of that little group play out has been pretty fascinating and i i have to like tip my cap to ek johnson who just does such a good job of getting into that little like little sub pocket of star wars and completely mm. eating it up yeah yep. And like all Absolutely. the handmaidens get a personality. They all have the, a role. Yeah. They don't necessarily all love each other that much. Like there's a, there's some infighting and, and it's, it's really fascinating to watch how she builds a whole thing out of seemingly nothing. 
on the on the screen. It's 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 awesome to me that yeah. she watched those movies and probably watched all those scenes and looked at the body language of actors who were just doing a job at that point and said, I can make a story out of this. And not just a story, but she's going to get a trilogy out of this. And it's wild to me. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear that she is someone who's been thinking about those stories for 20 years. You would have you know, to, think, yeah. right? You know, it's definitely, she has her own, like, you know, her own AU she's written about the handmaidens and all that stuff. I think, I think all that comes across pretty clearly on the page. Yeah. Really cool stuff. And then, and, and I find that I found this like the highlight for me in which, you know, it's a book about Padme. <laughs> the highlight for me in the first book was the way she wrote Palpatine. And she does, does mm-hmm. she does such a great job with Palpatine when he's still in Senator, Senator form. And some of the interludes or like the little brief little, tangents that she takes with Maul or you know some other character like there was a little tangent with Anakin and Shmi mm-hmm. right before Phantom Menace and it's like man yeah. she's she's all over these characters she gets right into yeah. their heads at a point where like we kind of just fly over that movie sometimes mm-hmm. and here she is like really mining some cool territory that typically I don't care about but in this case I'm glad I got into it <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, she said on a number of occasions that given the opportunity, she'd love to write a Palpatine book. Yeah. She loves writing him as a character and I'm all for it. It shows like she, she really voices him. Well, I'd be down for that, but yeah, just to I, say, little, the side, I'm sorry, side note, something I forgot to mention about uh, the Ronan novel and that the story, including the, um, the visions short. Um, it's the first like queer V queer fight in star Wars is it, hmm. is in, in that whole story where Very two characters cool. are two queer characters are fighting and it's, yeah, it's a really, it's, it's just, it's a fantastic story. So yeah. Anyway. Pink milk has definitely been, especially, I mean, Brian has been telling me how Ronan is an amazing um, novel that with, with queer representation in it and that mm-hmm. he's really enjoyed that representation in that novel. So I'm super excited to read it. Yeah, the, the representation in that novel, both in the book and by the by the author, is I, it, it's it's what Star Wars needs. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I took the Queen's Peril detour to say that once I'm through with that, I'm hoping to sneak in Ronan before we get Fallen Star. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ambitious for me. Got a couple it's ambitions, weeks. but it's ambitious. <laughs> I'm gonna try. Um, all right. I mean, I think, uh, have we, is it, does anybody want to throw anything else on the table or do I need to wrap this up here? Yeah, I I mean, I, I deal, the only other book that's come out recently was the secrets of the Sith book written by, oh, um, oh, by our friend so Shoes. I have, do you have it? Well, do, yeah. sure you do. Have you, have you read the whole thing <laughs> or? No, not not all of it. I've I've gone through uh, maybe like a quarter of it. Okay, so I've I started. I read the first few pages, and oh my god, it is so over the top. It is like <laughs> the most ridiculous, outlandish thing you have ever read, and it is yeah, wonderful because it, it's so Palpatine. It's like Palpatine's like hate tweets towards everything any lightsaber. It's the <laughs> it's 
so funny. <laughs> I'm just like, good lord, this is over the top. Well, yeah, there you go. Fun. Yeah, those books. <laughs> those books are worth buying for the art alone. The art is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fam, it's uh, you know we're it's it's getting late for us, and we're two and a half hours deep, and we haven't <laughs> done this in a while. But uh, it again, we talked about how TFA trailer came out seven years ago today, and how it feels like a long time has passed, but no time at all. And so it is with this podcast; it feels like we just got on. <laughs> but uh, here we are, yeah. two and a half hours in, and it's time. It's it, we got to wrap it up. Unfortunately, we try we 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 teased maybe a six hour pod. We're not going to get there this time. Sorry, folks. We actually, no we actually did that. We did that, and <laughs> Kyle edited out three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, but it was only your explanation of the balance of force, Rick, that he cut out. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Well, you know what? That's oh, going to be no. the uh, Tumbling Saber, the Lost Missions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Release the Villanueva cut. That's right. <laughs> Secret's only the Sith knew. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to catch up with us, folks, uh, all four of us are in the Tomic Saber Facebook group. We talk about it every week, but uh, you got to come check it out. You got to come hang out with us and talk about Star Wars because it's always happening. And uh, Rick and Nathan and Marie are always popping in and putting cool news pieces and articles in there. So come hang out with us in that group. Just just look, look up Tumbling Saber on Facebook. Um, Twitter. Rick, what's going on? How can we find you on the old Twitter machine? Uh, on Twitter, guys, you can find me at Cadbane's Bounty, where um, you know I'm doing my thing. And uh, behind the scenes, um, I can say that um, hopefully, sometime very soon, uh, depending on how things fall into place with um, you know the move that we've had to deal with um, here and um, some other external things, um, maybe we get some more jam transmissions uh, sometime pretty soon, and uh, that'll be back in the feed at some point. Thank God. Um, but uh, stay. Stay tuned. Uh, Jam Transmissions um, is uh, at JT Comlink on Twitter. And uh, you can find me at Cad Bane's Bounty just uh, sharing some fun stuff, some kind of like on this day uh, stuff as of late. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. Marie, where can people find you and all your awesome work? You can find me on Twitter at Alia Morgan. And you can find my review blog, Star Wars review blog, at thestarwarsreview.blogspot.com. And then you can find me on YouTube at Afra's Artifacts, where I talk about queer Star Wars. Excellent. Great. Marie, you're doing great work. I got to tell you. (laughs) I'm having a lot of fun. You did two separate interviews with the guys from Pink Pink Milk, and they were both a riot. Those guys are so fun. It, I had a great time and I have a, I need to do some editing that I may, may have slipped my mind this weekend. Um, so there, there is a third interview that is scheduled to come out Monday at six. We'll see. Excellent. <laughs> and Nathan uh, over in Newfoundland, home of towns such as uh, blow me down, Newfoundland. Where <laughs> blow me down. What? <laughs> <laughs> where can people uh, listen, aside from finding you in Tickle Cove where, where can people find you on Twitter <laughs> well uh, you might be able to find me in Conception Bay South <laughs> which is just a few kilometers from where I am right now um, yeah um, it's just a, just a couple of... clicks away from Muddy Hole Newfoundland 
<laughs> I'm at an at NAF Roberts on Twitter for the usual, you know, whatever, whatever that is. So enjoy that, I guess. And I am at Tumbling Saber on Facebook and Instagram. Come check it out. Come hang out. I'd love to connect with you on either of those platforms. And if you want to help us, just share the link, the link to this to this podcast if you enjoyed it. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and, and share and all that cool stuff. And if you have a couple extra minutes, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we will read it on the show. But that's it, everybody. This episode is finally in the books. I had a great time. And uh, I want to thank you for spending your time with us. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And until next episode, everybody, continue staying safe and may the force be with you. Wait, this just Bye. in. I just got a DM from Stu. Uh, Ryan Johnson's back on. Oh, how is Ryan Johnson? How, has anybody heard from Ryan Johnson? Uh, Stu, I was asking. Oh, hey, Stu. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>